comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is busy. Abe is currently editing this week's uh, upcoming episode from the time of this recording, but that's not going to stop us from doing a new bonus episode. This is a special commentary. You guys tend to like our commentary, so we're doing another one, and this one's coming in just in time because it is for Captain America, the first Avenger, leading up to the sequel, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And, yeah, so that's the plan. We're going to talk about the movie Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, and joining me to discuss said film is straight out of S.H.I.E.L.D. Detention Center, Alan Aguilera. Thank you. It's nice to be out. I appreciate it. What have I missed? From Why So Blue and the Naptown Nerd, he just finished cleaning the Cosmic Cube with Windex. It's Brandon Peters. <laughs> Windex and a toothbrush. And from Forbes, he's jumped on more dud grenades than he can count. It's Scott Mendelson. Sad but true. <laughs> but you keep going for it. <laughs> uh, how, are you guys, how are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing Terrific. very well. Okay, Eager. Good. <laughs> Eager, good. Okay. Well, yeah, um, not much to really go into here besides we're just going to get this going. Um, I currently have the film paused about 18 seconds in on the Blu-ray. That is where basically the entire Paramount logo has presented itself, and it says a Viacom company below the mountain. And so I'm just going to count down from three. And on the sound of go, we'll just all press play and we'll start the movie and we'll be a talking. So anyone that's anyone that's list, that's watching the movie and listening to our wonderful voices and Alan while we um, go into this movie, um, you know that's the that's the plan. And everyone else just to have, have fun listening and on your drive home or whatever. So um, without further ado, let's just get into Captain America: The First Avenger. Okay, so three, two, one, go. All right. So, so I've never seen this before. How does this tie to Ang Lee's Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> now, I think I'm in good company here because I'm. Is this the sure, one with? Uh... I'm pretty sure all of us are big fans of Captain America: The First Avenger. Yes, it's uh, before the Avengers. Now, I think it was my favorite of the Avengers canon. Uh, it still is for me. An interesting trivia: Captain America is played by. A Matt Salinger, who is actually the son of Recluse author J.D. Sa- Wait, which Captain America are we watching again? <laughs> the, uh, one, the one with the, the, the well, motorcycle helmet well, and Christopher Lee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the utterly pointless prologue that I don't like. Yeah, if there's yep. one thing about this movie I hate, it's this and the placement of the ending. I feel like you could chop this off completely, don't need it, and then you take off, like, the... You take that last bit where they're, like, back in New York in the modern day, and you just put that, like, in the, like, the... The credits. The credits. 
perfect, mm-hmm. not perfect movie, but like you know, better movie. Like that's that's easy. Yeah, well, it's it's the the force tie into the Avengers that that kneecap. It doesn't really kneecap it. It just doesn't need to be there. And it's interesting because this is a 124 minute film, and you figure with there's about what eight minutes of credits, give or take. When you factor in the about you know three five minutes of prologue, and then the three to you know even longer three to five minutes of epilogue, there's really only about 105 minutes of pure Captain America story. Um, which might be, for what it's worth, one of the reasons why this film feels so tight and so well paced is that mm. by virtue of the epilogue and the prologue, there's not much room for fat, frankly. What's weird is so this isn't the thing. No, it's not the thing. Yeah. It looks like okay, the thing. Got it. it. Looks pretty close to the thing. <laughs> this scene right, right here. What's weird because you have this prologue here, and then you go to like the Red Skull intro, and then you go to like Steve. So it's like it, it just feels like it's, <laughs> it's jumping like too many places at once. When it's like we don't need one thing, and then yeah, we get the villain set up, and then we get to Steve. So it's like okay, let's. Speed Aaron, up Aaron, you're talking yeah, about you get... Captain America. You don't call him Steve. He's Mister Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. I feel like he's Captain Rogers of anything. Oh, I didn't know you were on first name basis with him. Is all I'm saying. You don't. I'm just jealous. You don't know. I'm just jealous. And, I'm just and, super jealous. Me and Stevesy, as I call him, we hang mm-hmm. out. Sr. Don't call him Steven, though. Does not like it. He oh, did. No. no, he does not. He punched me in the uh, in the Black Soul Widows the other day for that. The mm. night has cerebral palsy. I'm sorry, I'm so bored by this sequence. Can we start the real movie? <laughs> he needs to find a shield or something. For... It's weird that it's not Clark Gregg, by the way. <laughs> I guess he was busy. But... <laughs> Would have been a nice like touch. Well, this is this. He's not. He doesn't appear at the end of this one, right? It's no, he doesn't. No, he's period. not in this one at all. There's no Greg. Yeah, the one he didn't appear, in, but yet in the next one, he's the the biggest fan of. Captain yeah, see, Mary. that would have been a good little touch there too, if they, you know, if there was more collaboration in the writers' room between these movies. <laughs> Or he's just busy. I don't know. Maybe he's doing stuff with Thor. Maybe. He's doing doing stuff. I mean, playing Jim. Well, to, to be fair, from what I gather, Iron Man two, Hulk, Thor, and this basically take place within the same week. Basically, from what I gather. Yeah, the the timelines pretty they're pretty close together. So yeah, it's a concurrent thing that I can understand. How is it this weird? <laughs> We've gone from yeah. like, using lasers to cut open holes in ships, and now we're like in some medieval castle. <laughs> it just reminds me of Bram Stoker's Dracula for some reason. I just watched that the other day. It's a good, I like that movie. It's it's a fun piece of art, that's for sure. I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's you know I read the book, so I I didn't you know if I hadn't read the book, I would have had a real tough time following that movie because that that one doesn't make it easy on you. I'd be curious what a, what Baz Luhrmann's Dracula would look like. I'd see the hell out of that movie. I think. Yeah, this is a good 3D shot. I always like this in the theaters. Like, yeah, Hydra. Right. I always forget these movies are in 3D. There's a couple like scenes like because none of these movies need 3D, but there's a couple yeah. scenes in Captain America where he's like, yeah, he's throwing the shield or the ship or the, like his car's really long. Like it's like, all right, <laughs> we've we've maximized our our 3D quota, I guess. And it's it's interesting because. If my memory is correct, this was actually among the cheapest of the pre-Avengers films. Yet I would argue, for any number of reasons, it's the one that, for me at least, feels the most epic. It feels the most, you know, feels the biggest. It feels the most of, stylish to me. That's yes. what I always took yeah. away from it. Because, it, because of Joe Johnston's, um, his direction of this film really makes it feel like a comic book world, as opposed to the other ones that are... And even this one's fairly grounded, but like Iron Man feels like it takes place in the real world, despite things going on around him. 
Thor feels like it's trying to blend. That's a tricky one too, but that one's just kind of the environments are bland in the first Thor, and that's the problem there. This one tries tries to make use of the different settings and blending the world war at World War Two aspect with the comic book aspect with the well it's, it's also like a nostalgic look back period piece which you also yeah. had a couple months uh, a month before it came out with x-men first class with digging going into the 60s and that's what i really liked about these two movies was it, it just felt like a lot of endless possibilities by holding them to a period some of the suspensions of disbelief could like work a little better very true yeah no you're absolutely and, right i think by no sorry carry on well I, that's why i think a I think it was, was it Quentin Tarantino who said a Superman film set somewhere between the 40s and 60s would would work really well. That's like what if he got his hands on it, that's what he'd do. And I and I have to say I, I agree that a Superman film would be even stronger set in the time frame where he rose to his most popular. Well, that's why a lot of the that's that's why the 90s Batman films, regardless of you know your thoughts on the Schumacher ones, they're all set in these kind of timeless Gotham's. As opposed yeah. to being grounded yeah. in a reality, like in as much as they're I their love, own world, exactly. As much awesome. as I love the Nolan films, they're doing their own thing. Those ones, they're rooted in these, especially Burton's. They're rooted in this kind of gothic noir setting that could take place at any time period. And I and think oddly, was... that was what, what caught on with all the superheroes in the that came off of it. Which is what, and I like all of those, but I love the and, Shadow. And that's, why, that's why I think most. Uh, I, we're all, all of us are fans of those, and I think that's why we latched to Captain America. Was it, it's sort of like one of those. Absolutely, and and the first Burton Batman film really plays like a 1940s film noir. And as you mm-hmm. said, you're right. The ones that that followed in its footsteps, Dick Tracy, The Phantom, The Shadow, were you know literally 1940s pulp pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. You know, for arguably obvious reasons, when you set something in the past, which is perhaps a less familiar time period for most viewers, you can embrace the fantasy a little bit more. You can embrace the pulp because you, most audiences are already walking into it with a bit more willingness to have a suspension of disbelief. Um, they're willing to embrace the fantasy when it takes place in a world that's already slightly foreign to them by virtue of it being in the past in this case. Which is which is it's weird because you think once a, a super movie superhero movie like like Batman in '89 is like a massive cultural phenomenon that you jump to the next like superhero maybe within the DC canon or something like that to make your next movie. No, they said, "Ooh, this little film noir atmosphere is is where we're gonna hit," which is strange that they would go for the style of the film rather than the the superhero character because once you know Blade and X Men hit, it started becoming. And really, after Spider-Man, it's like, okay, what properties can we now turn? Which you'd have thought might have been the the back in '89 would have been the mentality, but it was really they went for Dick Tracy, they went for the Phantom, like all these really old serial characters and Darkman and, and Darkman, <laughs> yes. And to this day, I will, you know, and I, 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 to this day, I will never understand that. I will never understand why Hollywood saw the success of Batman and yeah, okay, fine, it was it played like a '40s pulp picture, and instead of you know, trying their darndest to get another Superman film or you know, obviously Spider-Man had its issues, you know, legally speaking. But instead, you know, you're right. They make films that, let's be honest, today's kids, and by today's I mean the 1990s, didn't care about, you know, the shadow, the, 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 the phantom and what have you. And I think it's, it's not, it, it's not a coincidence that the one genuine blockbuster comic book film that come out of that era was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
which but was, that was both more so the, the popularity of the cartoon. Exactly. It was a character that was actually popular and well known to the core, you know, the young audience, as opposed to characters that their parents liked. Well, Superman had its issues, too. I mean, you're coming off of four films already with, you know, the, the latter two not being accepted by a, yeah. by a broad, especially yeah. four. I mean, that was I mean, it kind of put well, the nail in the coffin at that point. And, you know, it's, it's not like reboots, re- were, reboots an option, were an option. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. They would have had to convince people to come back to see Superman five, which is a would it be a daunting task. And it follows the and it follows the trend of Hollywood to take what what they think works and make more of that thing. And yeah, so if you see a Batman that looks the way it does, you can you can't really apply that to Green Lantern or X Men. You apply it to characters that kind of work in that. And obviously, the directors involved had a passion for it. Like Warren Brady had a passion for Dick Tracy, and Sam Raimi couldn't get the Shadow, so he made his own character. And you see something like, and then you see the Shadow, you see the Phantom. Like these are. These are characters that could have took the, you know, took the world by storm or something. I mean, Iron Man. If we want to go jump up, you know, a, a decade later or so, Iron Man wasn't exactly the most popular character in terms of social consciousness. But now he's everyone loves Iron Man now. Yeah, they were running out of characters though. If they're A-listers and they're moving down the list, true. Yeah, and if you can get the right director and the right actor, you can build excitement off, off that. Well, that was that was a perfect example of Star Plus concept. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, even then, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. It, it's it's a good it's a good example of marketing paying off. Cause yeah. Robert Downey Jr. wasn't he just you know if it was Iron Man two, I'd agree with that. But Iron Man one, like Robert Downey Jr. is not the guy that draws people into the theater necessarily. Well, I think he and was. It's a, he it's was a, a more universal that, star appeal. I can see that. I can accept. Yeah, that. he was somebody that everybody knew and everybody liked, and come what may, I think everybody was rooting for. Mm-hmm. So this was sort of they did use his you know turbulent history as a key part of the marketing campaign. And you're right, it was. And I I've, I've said this for years. I don't think Paramount ever got the credit they deserved for marketing Iron Man. Those trailers are amazing, Barry. Yeah, because I, without you know, if Iron Man opens to thirty million dollars, closes out at one hundred and twenty, the Marvel Universe is you know dies before it begins. We're we're, um, we're talking over a lot of this movie that like <laughs> not addressing it because we didn't make it, so who cares? But that <laughs> let's do let's there's three things I want to address. One, that shot of them walking through the World's Fair. That's a great example of Joe Johnston using a stylized universe and putting it oh, on yeah. display. Two, yes. we talked over a Hugo Weaving completely. He's great in this movie. We'll get back to him. And three, little Steve Rogers looks amazing. I love the the look of him, and like it may not be always consistent, but I think it looks pretty great. No, it, it does. It's convincing. It's no, it's 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 a near flawless special effect. I mean, I might be able to pick out if I wanted to, but it's such a good merge of effect and acting that I don't want to. Um, I choose to accept it. And it's such a wonderful performance. Yeah. It really is. And and he's such an interesting character when he is, you know, skinny Steve Rogers that it's a it's a credit to, to Chris Evans that we're still he feels still, still feels just as much of an underdog once he becomes, you know, the superhero persona. That's what gets me yeah. and Abe, I want to represent it because he loves this movie too. That's what gets us behind why this movie works so well for me. It's not just the fact that it looks great, it has a great cast, and the action's cool, or, you know, Marvel superheroes, yay, or whatever. It's that Captain America's earnestness, like, shines through this whole movie, and it really pays off. Yeah, and I I think one thing that's probably goes, I mean, everybody says about Robert Downey Jr., but I think with Chris Evans and uh, Chris Hemsworth as well, they're guys that you, it's going to be really hard to picture someone else playing that role one day. Agree. Like they they all have made a remarkable stamp on 
the characters. And I think Chris Evans probably gets the least amount of credit, but he's one of the most, I mean, does a fantastic job. If there's any flaw with the Avengers, it's the fact that it doesn't have a, a quote-unquote lead character, and it's I, I wish they did more work to make Chris Evans kind of stand out as the as the guy we follow through that movie. Even well, it kind of was. Picture. It was, and I think it was more. It was supposed to be more of that too. And there's yeah. just deleted yes. footage and whatnot. Um, yeah. and I think you know that's that's you know without going down how well the Winter Soldier will or won't do. I think that the franchise is at a slight disadvantage because he wasn't terribly well utilized in the Avengers. Um, certainly not from a character standpoint. Yeah. Compared to yeah. Tony Stark, for example, or even Mark Ruffalo. Um, you know, you basically yeah. had, you know, Tony Stark had the one-liners and the character arc. Bruce Banner had the big action beats, and Thor had sort of the plot that was connected to his movie closer than anyone else's. Yeah. Um, and two things I'd like to point out character-wise. What I love about this film that was frankly very creative, and I don't know if there's any precedent in the comics or not, is they completely reversed the standard Captain, you know, Steve Rogers-Bucky relationship to where Bucky is the older, you know, sort of you know, hardened soldier. He's he's sort of the big brother, which is a complete opposite of how, to my knowledge, Bucky has always been presented in the comics. Where he was always sort of like the Robin to Captain America's Batman. Yeah. Um, and here, of course, is Steve, or excuse me, Stanley Tucci, who... The Tooch! Really, I, I think, elevates this film, single-handedly. He has a lot less screen time, but I think he is as important to grounding this film in its morality as Gary Oldman in the Dark Knight. He, I, I agree with that completely. Yeah. And he does a great job of both having an accent yet still underplaying the role. Yeah, I mean, he is he's so good that I think to a certain extent the movie does lose something when he dies. It gains that bag with Tommy Lee Jones, I would say, just from his... To a certain extent, I mean, it's a different Na- yeah, character. Yeah, it's a different know, character, it's, it's... but there's like a natural interplay and warmth and chemistry that comes yeah. between him and the rest of the cast. This movie has an impeccable cast, by the way. Yeah. Like, all these Marvel yeah. movies do... Like, as much as people want to bitch about Iron Man 2, I think you have a movie with with, with Robert Downey Jr., Sam Rockwell, Mickey Rourke, Don Cheadle, and Gwyneth Paltrow, and Scarlett Johansson. Like, that's an amazing cast of characters. Like, these movies get some great casts. And this one, yeah, Chris Evans, Hugo Weaving, Tommy Lee Jones, Stanley Tucci. Like, it's a... It's a people, people sign up for these movies for a reason, I guess. And it's like maybe it's a paycheck, but at the same time, you get to work with a lot of great talent, and you get to see that in the theater on display. Yeah, so. and, and with a few exceptions, nobody sleepwalks. Oh, yeah. Everybody comes to play. They treat it, you know, like, probably cliche, they treat it like Shakespeare. Alan, I have a question for you. What's up, bro? Um, I know Captain America, you've mentioned many times on this podcast, is your favorite superhero character, your favorite, like, comic character, yes. correct? Yes. What, what did you, so when the initial announcement came that Chris Evans would be playing Captain America, what did you think? I'm sorry? Uh, you broke up for a second. When you heard that Cat Chris Evans would be playing Captain America initially, what did you think? Oh, I was I was I was always a fan of Chris Evans. Um, I always thought he always brought you know a lot of a lot of sincerity to the roles that he plays. Um, he's usually like the best part of most of the movies he's in. I thought he was really great as a Human Torch. Um, I know there's a lot of flack because he was a brunette when he first casted, but you know any comic casting is gonna get ridiculously. Um, hey, they flacked when ridiculed. Daniel Craig yeah. was blonde and James Bond. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! no. Well, those movies didn't um, do well either, so I no, mean... No, they turned out terrible, and he's a <laughs> crappy Bond. I know, like, see, the internet's always right. Um, I was just a big fan. I was, I was excited when he got hassled. I was like, oh, he's a younger dude. 
um, kind of knew why they wanted to go younger so they can use them for more movies. I know he just seems like a decent actor where you can believe his his sincerity behind his eyes and you can believe that he's going to be a good Steve Rogers. So I was excited. Um, wasn't what I was expecting, but I, I was I was down. Um, I thought that the casting for most of this movie is pre- pretty, pretty spot on. It's probably the best casted Marvel movie that they have. A lot of great, great actors like um, Scott was saying. So you have like Sandy Tucci, you have Tommy Jones, to, um, Hugo Weaving. I thought was a great. Red, this is a great Red Skull too. Agreed. Just, just a lot of great, great acting. A lot of little nuances, and I was, you know, I was excited with all the casting, all the information, all the um, Joe Johnson getting hired on. I was, I was going to be, uh, me getting disappointed about the movie was going to be a pretty hard, a pretty hard bargain. So. Um, not too weird. I don't know. I was I was excited. I don't know about the rest of you, but I, I thought it was weird. I I also don't get really worked up. Torch. And I was like, really, yeah. Marvel's going back after him when he's associated with Human Torch? But yeah, but those movies are kind of forgettable. So why? Yeah, true. But true. true. I'm not the type of guy that gets really really worked up over internet casting. I don't or not internet casting, but I don't get worked up over initial casting because I just I don't want to judge it before I see it. Exactly. But, so I don't I don't. Not that necessarily I don't care, but I'm just not. I'm gonna reserve judgment until I see the final picture, because Michael Keaton was ridiculed. He was great. Heath Ledger was ridiculed. He was great. Um, I know there was a lot of backlash for the Ben Affleck thing, but I like Ben Affleck. So I'm I'm, I'm excited for. Hey, that's a good thing. When when there's so much backlash, you just <laughs> it's it's a good thing. I've come to yeah. learn. Well, it, I've I've always joked that that whiny fanboys are the Bill Crystal of Hollywood. They always they're always wrong. It's. Mm. It's weird because like it's it's as if they don't know like how things work, and obviously you're, we're not involved either. But at the same time, it's like it's not like there was just a dartboard and they started throwing in my actors. <laughs> they, they they test all these people. They have all these. It's like it's not like they just selected out of a hat. Like no, they this... they spent like a year casting Captain America. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Chris Evans turned them down. Casting choices that were scaring me. Yeah. Like it's not oh. like Chris Evans didn't know that he was even doing. Like, oh wait, wait, didn't I play a key? Like, it's not like he <laughs> <laughs> <I> forgot. <laughs> and actually, just to point this out, Chris Evans has been in all kinds of. He's been in Fantastic Four, TMNT, Fantastic Four: Rise of Silver Surfer, Push, The Losers, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He, he's like he's he loves these yeah. comic book movies apparently. <laughs> he likes yeah. He just shows up. He's like, oh okay, I'll do it. But um. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I just don't. I think internet fanboys are the people who irritate me the most for some reason. It's just they think they're fans, but if they're fans, and they'll just stop talking and go watch the film, as they're going to see anyway. They just want to complain, but they're still going to give them their money. So it just doesn't doesn't make any sense to me because all these people that are complaining about it, the biggest ones that are putting up the pitchforks, are still going to go watch this, the movie. They're still going to go see it. Well, for example, I had an interesting. I'm a, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I had an interesting concept I thought about lately was. You know how much praise and love Matthew McConaughey has right now. If it was announced tomorrow that he was going to play the Flash in the Batman vs Superman movie, they'd immediately be pointing back to how to lose a guy in ten days and and <laughs> oh he was in Fool's Gold and Ghost of Girlfriend's yeah. Past and he's terrible. I hate Matthew McConaughey, even though they've just been he's been so praised and he's like one of the most popular actors going right now and everybody thinks he's great. And he won that Oscar. Everybody's like, yeah, but if he was announced that he would be playing insert superhero here in a movie tomorrow, the hate train would come back and it'd be like 2000. They'd only judge him from 2001 to 2005, his career. He'd be a good Aquaman. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, 
But the fanboys would would then forget all the stuff they just praised oh, yeah. about him. I completely and agree. All that goodwill would be gone because I mean, how dare he play a superhero? They cast Daniel Day Lewis. Maybe they just shut up completely. <laughs> yeah, and and their casting choices are always the fanboys ones are always boring. They are They're always like, oh, it looks like him. like the, the Mark Jane, Strong uh, and uh, Jamie and Alexander Cranston. is Jamie Alexander is Wonder Woman because she's been playing her already basically in Thor movies. Well, that's the problem with fan casting is they find somebody who's played the exact same role before and say, oh, well, they can be this because they've done the exact same role in a different movie. Well, that's still fun. Or the, um, the um, what's what's your name from Haywire, your favorite actress, Scott? Um, oh, right, right. Gina, Gina She's an Carano. actress? Gina Carano. <laughs> <laughs> the stunt woman who speaks? <laughs> this is, <laughs> talking about the movie, this is just awesome. I love this boot camp stuff and Steve just proving, sorry, Captain Rogers thinking that he's just, or proving that he's just, he thinks, he, he has ideas, he knows what's going on. He gets the he gets the gist of what what's going down here. And Peggy's looking around, getting that flag right. Like it's it's just little stuff like that. This is a good fun movie. That's just well, it's got a lot of spirit, and I don't know. It's I don't know how people could not like this one. Be surprised. <laughs> oh, I I'm I become very surprised. Haley Atwell is very good in this movie too, and she's not oh, yeah. a, she's not an actress I was too familiar with beforehand. But it's like I want to see more things with her after I watch this movie. Sorry, I'm enjoying this brief scene of Stanley Tucci and Emily Jones acting together. Emily yeah. <laughs> Jones in his first comic book movie since Batman and Robin or Batman Batman Forever. Forever. I think he had a better time on this one. He dialed yep. it back a tad. Probably... <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair. To be fair, Joe Johnson wasn't telling him, do what Jim Carrey does. Yes. Um, no, what, what I like about this film is that, you know, the doc was always, oh, how do you do Captain America? He's so corny, he's so old-fashioned, blah, blah, blah. Well, first of all, they said it in the 40s where this kind of, you know, gee whiz sincerity was normal. And B, they made the movie about that sincerity, about the idea of, you know, America being morally superior because they were morally superior. Not as some kind of, you know, God-given, what's the word I'm thinking for? It starts, exceptionalism. Mm -hmm. You know, they made the corniness the point of the movie. Um. You know, I mean, we, we, the scene was like 10 minutes ago, but for me, you know, the key, you know, scene in the film is that him and Stanley Tucci where he says, no, I don't want to kill people. I just don't like bullies. Yeah. That's, again, that's, uh, you what, know, that's something Abe really enjoys too about this. Yeah. And I love this scene right here where he explains, you know, why he chose him versus, you know, the stereotypical soldier. And, you know, in a somewhat ham fisted way, he's saying, you know, this is why, at least at this point in time, this is what makes America better than the bad guys at that point. It, um, it, it, it goes into why I wish they chop off that bit at the end, too, because the yes. last thing you see before it goes back to the, you know, the modern day is kids pretending to be Captain America because he, you know, he did something. Yes. And that's a great image to end up. Like, it's just the, like the last image is a kid carrying a shield and the camera zooms in on the shield. That would have been a great way to just code that movie up, tag that movie, but it doesn't. You know, while while I um, was 
you know, I, I'm excited for Winter Soldier and it looks amazing. But at the time before that, I was kind of disappointed where the movie ended because they could have left it ambiguous and kept us going with more Captain America movies of this era. Which yes. would have been fine by me, which was really cool. But I, you know, seeing the trailers and stuff for Winter Soldier, I, I looks pretty awesome. And <laughs> it, it certainly, <laughs> what do I know? It, it, I don't think it completely closes it off though. Like you, because we're gonna get to that big montage between with Captain America just being badass around Germany, <laughs> and like, there's a lot of potential there for like a future movie, even this one, if it has a, some kind of flashback we don't know about, like or like a third movie where you kind of dig into missions that he may have went on and in form of flashback and like he mm. maybe encountered some character from that time and you see a whole backstory involving that during one of those missions and you cut back to modern time or something like that like, there's there's potential i mean it's not, i don't i wouldn't say we've closed the books on that period of captain america no i i've heard i've heard winter soldier does feature plenty of flashbacks i think it, i mean it would have to given what the winter soldier is but I think the biggest story with Cap would, I think it would be better it's that he's a fish out of water. So that's where True. a lot of the dynamic storytelling is coming from, is that he isn't, he's a man from the greatest generation, so how does he deal with our current generation? How does he deal with our current you know, government and the world affairs and everything like that? And I think that's the more interesting story than going back, because we've seen World War II movies before. Which is, like it's a little bit different because we have a superpowered hero in the middle of it, but mm -hmm. it'd be more interesting to see how this kind of personality deals with things today. That's fair, and if if Avengers was if it wanted to be truly epic, it could have captured more of that by adding just more of every character, but also you know strengthening Captain America overall by you know allowing us to see into what he's experiencing in this new world as he gets thrust into mm -hmm. both being involved with a team of crazy superheroes and also you know fighting off aliens <laughs> like, yeah. no. like he doesn't he's not even affected by it he doesn't miss a step he's like okay well unfortunately you know and as much as i did enjoy the avengers and i i really did you know there was like a three minute montage of captain you know steve rogers somewhat coming to terms with you know his lost life and it's not a short movie so why not include that in there and i think that would have Solved a lot of problems, at least with his character. Um, now, we may find out when we see the, the Winter Soldier that that's material that was being thematically saved for the sequel. But, you know, nonetheless, I think the Avengers, as much as most of it works, its biggest fault is that it doesn't give Steve Rogers his own character arc. Um, yeah, I basically, yeah, I yeah, agree, because yeah. he, he really doesn't really... He doesn't go through much beyond the idea of, hey, I'm working with these guys now. Like, that's pretty much his, his whole, his whole, and like, I, I should not trust S.H.I.E.L.D. as much as I used to. Like, that's, and, which I guess is going to be the big emphasis of Winter Soldier. Well, I mean, again, I, I have not seen Winter Soldier, and I, I stopped watching Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. a while ago, but I love all the chit chat about, you know, is S.H.I.E.L.D. dangerous? Man. Yeah, I know. I, I got out. <laughs> <laughs> Team Arrow. Um, but anyway, anyway, you know, you know, is Shield dangerous? You know, isn't Shield the organization that tried to nuke Manhattan at the end of the Avengers? 
Well, now, shouldn't we have already answered whether or not they are a dangerous, terrible organization? Well, just, they attempted to nuke a, a major city. It was just Diana like Rigg and uh, Powers Booth that were doing it. Was it. A, it was a group like Beyond Shield, though, that was giving them that, those orders. That's what I'm more curious about, and I, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see if Winter Soldier delves into who are the ones that are above Nick Fury, since I'm like, yeah. these shadowy people with Powers Booth. Like, what's going on? <laughs> Never trust an organization run by Powers Booth. <laughs> by Powers I, Booth. I've heard complaints about this from people that don't like this movie that they they claim Red Skull was wasted in this movie. What? Well, I, yeah. What, I, mean, I mean, there's only so much you can do with that character, but it's not like we get a lack of him in this movie. No, I I I thought he was perfectly placed. Like I I don't know what more. I think some people have just like unreal uh, expectations for some of these characters coming to the screen and screen and not realizing how you formulate and put them into a plot and you can't um, have comic book panels of like crazy stuff going on all the time well i think to a certain extent the you know the character of red skull isn't particularly deep he's just you know a sociopath um and you know for example i mean if you want to compare the two the 1990 captain america which is in almost every way inferior to this in any way imaginable does actually delve quite a bit into red skull's past and his somewhat traumatic childhood and that's you know that's the one thing i do like about that film is that i believe scott pollen is his name gives a somewhat more textured performance than hugo weaving who is very good for what he's called upon to do but is a cartoon bad guy now is that a flaw no because, you know, and again, I say this without too much knowledge of Captain America's storylines, Dred Skull never struck me as the most particularly deep of characters. You know, he is, you know, a super-powered Nazi who has a Red Skull and tries to kill everybody. And that's basically all he is in this movie. And for a film centered on Steve Rogers, sometimes the villain, you know, sometimes these movies aren't about the villains. And I think because so many people's first exposure to comic book cinema were the Batman films that were arguably as much about the villains as they were about Bruce Wayne. Or so. And if, yeah, and even to a certain extent, X-Men, which was as much about Magneto as it was about Xavier and Wolverine and Rogue, there is a certain expectation to where, oh, these films have to be as much about the villain as they are about the hero. And that doesn't always have to be the case, especially if you use a quote-unquote thin villain you know, as a way to tell a much deeper, more more character-centric story about the lead character. Um, you know, I, I have my issues with Spider-Man 2 more than most people, but I like that it doesn't, you know, it does tell a Peter Par- Parker-centric story at the expense of everybody else. That movie is about Peter Parker. And yes, Doc Octopus is a bit of a punching bag, but it's not his story. And, End of rant. And for Captain America, getting Captain America, it does... Um... Red Skull's use in this movie it fits into what with uh, what Joe Johnston and his and the writers were trying to do, which was make the enemies bullies and make them more of a. There there are a lot of symbols in this movie. Captain America is representing one side of things, and Red Skull and whatnot are representing another side of things, and it's about overcoming these kind of evil forces and bullies, as they want to keep pointing out, as opposed to having a singular threat in the form of this person that we got some intense backstory on. That doesn't matter. That's not the thing that we focused on. It is Captain America's journey, and you understand where he's coming from and what he's trying to stop. And it's not trying to stop some guy that we learned all this stuff about. It's trying to stop a force of bad coming our way. And I think that reflects well. In what's yeah. Sometimes we just need to let bad guys be bad guys because... Like, yes. 
You I, don't need I, to know why. Exactly. That's which is all of Heath Ledger's performance in the Just the Joker. Just, oh yeah, you know, yeah. Really Red Skull is a force of nature in this film. You know, it's a very different dynamic, obviously, but it's the same idea. He's basically a force of chaos. He just wants to kill everybody for fun, basically. I have to say, I was so like into this movie at this point that I like I should have known that Stanley Tucci was obviously not going to make it out of this life. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was, was. but like. I was so like cut up in it. I was like legitimately like upset when he got shot. I was like, no, why would you like he's a good one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, my only reason I knew is because again, it's the same situation as in the previous Captain America movie where, you know, the, the, the adventure has to die. So there could only be one Captain America. You know, if he can't recreate the serum, I mean, if he could recreate the serum, then, then, Steve Rogers is no longer special, or as special. Yeah, I mean... But the whole idea behind Captain America is that Steve Rogers is Captain America because it's not going to work for anybody else the same way. Yes. They had to, they had to so, narrow it down test subjects to him. Yeah. Yes. But even then, like, it's only because it works with his passion and his will and his... This God-given ability at this point. Sorry, I just I have this really big heart on for Steve Rogers. Well, to be I fair, I mean, enough. we'll get to the Winter Soldier and now we'll, yeah. things change there. And even, I mean, Wolverine is technically a super soldier. Like, he's, what? This, I mean, Steve Rogers is weapon one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Logan is weapon ten. Right? <laughs> yeah. And there's, you know, obviously other numbers in between that. Deadpool, Sabretooth, Maverick. But, uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I know. I, I know, yeah, Maverick, yeah. I it, comic Alan knows comics. Um, I, yeah, but I know what you're saying exactly. Captain America, he's a specific type. He's the he's the exact ideal what the super serum could be providing. And he used to be like he looked like a little chihuahua. I loved it, like a little <laughs> yapping chihuahua before he bulked up and looks like the Adonis that he turned into. And I'm and I'm really upset that he didn't win Chess Actor this year. I mean. <laughs> I don't care how many times I use that joke. I love that joke. I mean, he oh. he's no Red Brown, but Chris Chris Evans is pretty good. <laughs> um, I I do think it's you know I you know this is one of the situations where it would be interesting to explore it, but I don't know if we need to. You know, I'd like to know what happened to uh, uh, Stark, whose first name escapes Howard me. Howard Stark. Howard Stark. Thank you. Howie. Where he's you know, a relatively optimistic, upbeat guy for the majority of this film. Now, you know, as opposed to you know by what the 1960s, the 1970s, where he's basically you know evil Walt Disney. Yeah, um, played by Roger Sterling. <laughs> yes, he drank, he smoked cigarettes and drank more booze. That's what happened. And, he, and introduces the Shaggy Dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I agree though, because I, I I like what Dominic Cooper provides to this performance as this kind of like gee whiz good scientist like playboy that very much represents his you know his son um and then he you know turns into this kind of shrill <laughs> overlord of stark industries if that's the kind of way to look at it and on the other hand you know as someone that feels that not everything needs to be explained there's part of me that doesn't want to know that story because it, it really to what extent does it really matter you know we can assume something you know people change people get old whatever I assume, I assume that he got scorned by a woman. So. <laughs> Maybe Peggy Carter. Mm-hmm. 
maybe, yeah, maybe Agent Carter just wasn't into it, and she, he's just like, what? Well, <laughs> if we if we get the ABC spinoff series Agent Carter, which has been rumored, I believe, or is in development or something, yeah. then uh, maybe we'll find out. My uh, God, fuck. this guy! <laughs> like, Jesus, that was X. If I didn't see the the Rock Hercules trailer today, this is like <laughs> the manliest thing I've seen on TV. <laughs> mm-hmm. It, wait, who's this? Uh, who's the Nazi girl? Sorry, the Cobra guy, isn't it? Um, <laughs> no, no, isn't nice. it? Uh, is, isn't it? Uh, Thorin, uh, Thorin Oakenshield, isn't it? Richard Armitage. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. I'm pretty sure it is. Hold on. Is it yeah, Thorin? It is. It's Rich- yeah, it's Richard Arbuthnot. Yeah, it's Thorin. Thorin, Thorin Oakenshield is the uh, the the Cobra guy, the assassin. Mm. Hey, he hates he hates Bil- he hates Bilbo. By the way, I don't know if you knew that, but he uh, does he. He seems to really hate Bilbo. Yeah, there he is. Thor- I love how incredibly obviously conspicuous this guy is. Right. <laughs> he first met him like five minutes ago. Yeah, it is Thorin. It totally is. I can't. Yeah. tell by the jaw. Yeah. Even about the beard, it still works. I got one now. No! Oh. Wait, why should <laughs> All because he stood up. You know, something I like about this, and I mean, not in like a dark kind of way, but a lot of people die. Like, it's... No, this is a very violent picture. It is, but it's not, and it's obviously not in like a let's exploit the violence way. It's like, it's in a, a self-preservation type way, mm-hmm. and the same goes for Steve Rogers. Like, obviously... As opposed to someone like Batman, who has a firm stance on not killing, Steve Rogers isn't above that because he's in wartime. No, he'll stand up. Yeah, he kind of gets he gets what you need to do to accomplish something, and it it's not about morals or whatnot. It's about you know fighting for one's country and, and again self preservation. And I think again the fact Dude. that this is both a period piece and set during wartime gives it a bit more license to be as violent as violent. It is. Yeah, like, as I wonder if it's the... in present day. Yeah, I wonder if the shots in, in Winter Soldier are going to connect as much as they do here. Yeah, there's quite a bit of actual, like that. You just saw blood, his brains yeah. get blown out. Yeah. Um, Good question, actually, Brandon. Yeah, I will be curious. Because, I mean, you shot it. <laughs> no, this is, this is an Indiana Jones-level PG-13 here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, obviously that's the reference they're going for, but... Um, that's what my uh, when my dad saw this movie, he walked. He was like, "Yeah, it reminded me of like an Indiana Jones movie." That was the yeah. exact reaction to this. And that's one, frankly, that's one of the reasons why it's so good. It feels like that old school character driven adventure film. Um, yeah. Pe- Peggy standing in the middle of the road shooting at him. That's badass. That yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love this. I love Rogers like learning his powers by like trial and error. Like, oh, I can run really fast now. Yeah. <laughs> I can jump high. <laughs> How do these muscles work? Like it's just, like here, here's the six million dollar man moment. My pecs cut glass, literally. And it, it reminded me, as frankly, that the, the, the you know this reminded me of the first Spider-Man film. Yeah. In that you know it's a more interesting action sequence because he's screwing up because he's just doing it for the first time and he's falling and missing and mm-hmm. flailing and that almost makes it more realistic. Well, that's why Indiana Jones is successful to begin with, um, because Raiders of the Lost Ark, he fails every single thing that he tries to do. Yes. Every single, it's so funny, because then at the end, you're like, oh, yeah, he's gonna, he, yeah, you really pull for him to do it, even though he really doesn't do anything. Yeah, like that, um, that truck chase is, enti- is like an underdog story, because he works yeah. so hard to <laughs> yeah. get what he needs to get, and yeah. he finally does it after getting beat up, shot, ran over, pulled under a truck, like, <laughs> then he eventually gets it, you just feel great for him, because, like, yeah, he accomplished that thing he needed to do. He did something for once. <laughs> 
Look at this guy. Good for him. It helps that that truck chase is one of the best action sequences of all yeah. time. Yes. <laughs> and one of the, what I like about this action is, yeah, a lot of it's CGI, but a lot of it's practical, and it all pretty much feels practical. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, he's not really jumping off cars and stuff, but the what? action. <laughs> Sorry. This is, uh, this com- this is, we're coming up on, like, one of the top three moments of this movie where the boy's like, it's okay, roll after him. Like, it's like, it's yeah. cool. like that <laughs> That's a great movie. little moment. It is. That and, like, the grenade jumping scene, I, those two things are like, yeah, Captain America. Great. <laughs> well, even the kid knew that he was a ginger, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, go ahead. Like, no just comments. take care of the other dude. Yeah. <laughs> I can swim. Like, that's such a great moment. Yeah. I like, I do like that Steve presumed that he couldn't swim. <laughs> he's like, oh. Well, you always check on the innocent person first. I, yeah, yeah. And he's got his evil submarine, which is awesome. Yep. There's a lot oh, of cool, like, ship designs. Like, all the Hydra stuff's really cool. Like, in terms yeah, they, they don't shy away from the comic book, you know, especially where the villains are concerned. Yeah. They really use the somewhat Nazis, but not really Nazis, as a license to go a little kooky with designs to the film's benefit. Mm-hmm. Which is like it's why I was so happy with Thor: The Dark World, where you have like a, such a greater expansion of <laughs> that universe, regardless of your thoughts on the movie itself. I mean, at least you can see where they, in, the regardless of the budget increase, they wanted to focus more on what makes Asgard tick and what makes the yes. ships that the that the evil Christopher Eccleston army like possesses. Now, Mal- now Mal- that's Kif. a movie with a bad guy just because he's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's a force of boredom. I mean, chaos. That's hardcore. Committing, putting the cyanide in his mouth. <laughs> it's like, jeez. Yeah. Done. He really believes in this cause. He hates He's like, Bilbo. Oh, hey, look. Look at my body. I think he murmured that he hates Bilbo in his last breath, too. <laughs> I, think said that. I think I heard him say it. Have any you know, of you uh, ever seen the, the Captain America movie serial from... No, I have not. I've seen like a piece of it on YouTube once. I have, I have the VHS. I, <laughs> it was one of my. It's one of the few Marvel characters that made it to serial. From what I remember, yeah. but it, the, it's um, an interesting one. It, it always took me by surprise because Captain America used a pistol hmm. and didn't just fist punch guy. You know, getting fist fights. Like oh yeah, guys. he's a soldier. He's a, well, yeah, I remember so much striking about how willing the promo department for this film was willing to show him with a gun. Yeah. And yeah. That was one of the, you know, he's, he's got a gun in the poster. There's that trailer shot where he just bursted into the doors yeah. and, like, shooting people with a pistol, everybody yeah. with machine guns behind him. Like, he's Because well, when I was growing up, I mean, comics at the time, Captain America just threw his shield. And, like, every video game he was in, he just threw yeah. his shield. So when I saw him with a pistol, and I was like, gee, he didn't, I don't think he even had a shield in that. Or he might have. Well, even, I mean, even in these Winter Soldier previews, you can tell that he's, more focused on the shield and jumping and punching a lot more than I don't think I see him hold a weapon at all in the. Well, he didn't sword. even have one in the Avengers, right? He didn't know. It, it was shield. Well, he grabs a machine gun at one point and he does. Yeah, he does grab one this. in the Avengers. Yeah, and he's a terrible shot. Yeah, yeah. he's a stormtrooper uh, shot. Yeah, it's weird. Um, this I mean, it was about a minute ago is the only time anyone had calls him the Red Skull, and I missed it the first time I saw this film, hmm. but which is. Well, it doesn't mean anything, but it's, they do it, you know. Someone does call him that at some point in this film. Look at him just being wasted. <laughs> Toby Jones here, too? Like, this, this cast yeah. is amazing. Ridiculous. <laughs> so the, he, the, um, the Hydra soldiers, they're people, right? They're people in those things? Yes. Are they, like, brainwashed? With, they just seem to really go along with, with this. Families and kids. And, All right. 
dreams and hopes. There's a there's a Marvel <laughs> one off that I want to see. Like, what's the life of a Hydra soldier after hours? <laughs> <laughs> I love Hugo Weaving like casually setting up the murder of these three people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like being slightly frustrated because he doesn't like get the shot the first time. It's so it reminds me of nothing but a Honey I Shrunk the Kids. It does. The gun, yeah, the gun <laughs> seriously looks like Honey I Shrunk the Kids. It it's like, oh, come on. That's a fun way to get around an R rating, by the way. Just, yes. just mm. evaporate them. Lasers. Without uh, Zack Snyder's overkill in Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> Good job, Toby. That was uh, something that always threw me on Watchmen. It's like, wow, those, those are really gory deaths. I get what you're doing. That makes sense, technically, but Jesus. <laughs> there's, like, one shot where he kills, like, a room full of mobsters, and you just see, like, there's an extended, like, slow-mo shot of, like, the goop, like, people, like, falling off the ceiling. It's like, wow, he's really emphasizing this hardcore R-rated superhero movie. Well, one of the things, and, and I... And I actually, I think I mentioned this when he did the Matrix Revolutions commentary. The great thing about Hugo Weaving is he knows exactly how funny or serious to be at any given moment. You know, because Red Skull is not inherently a funny character, but there is a certain knowing wit to him that's just in, you know, random glances or, you know, a pause before a given line of dialogue. And he's very funny without being overtly comedic. It brings his Hugo Weaving self to his... Yeah, and... It's the kind of thing that makes me wish he could find more work, really. I mean, he's... Yeah, he doesn't I, work that much. I think he is a he is a gifted actor in terms of bringing a certain presence to roles, and I just wish... Obviously, you know, you have something like Agent Smith or Elrond where that basically typecasts you for the rest of your life, and it's a little unfortunate because I think... Well, those are, like, kind of two different roles, too. It's surprising. They are, but at the same time, but they are just, the roles that people know him for at this it's point. It's his voice and his, his face, yeah. I mean, it's... He can't do anything about that. I mean, yeah. it's just how he is. He's well, just he, got this he really tried, distinct he, demeanor. He, he tried to with Megatron and V for Vendetta, but you can't like, you can't really bring yeah. his presence without that baggage to come with it. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. It just kind of limits him. And from I mean, what I assume are you know broader role or bigger roles or he gets different... the roles that are written for him. That's yeah. pretty yes. much. Uh, you know, he's not going to be the romantic lead in a conventional romantic comedy. For, for sure, but at the same time, I'd, enter, I'd entertain that idea. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd love to see that in yeah. a theoretical world. Um, <laughs> there was Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, of course, but I mean... Oh, that's that. right! Oh. That's a commentary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do that, and then to Wong Fu. Ooh. The other 90s cross-dressing movie. <laughs> Swayze and Snipes. And Leguizamo. I just yeah. he, he had a he had an HBO special on this weekend. I watched it. It was really good. Oh, you gotta check that out. It's really cool. It's he like he, he goes over basically his career and it's oh it's very interesting. Like it's there's things that are exaggerated about it, obviously because it's like it's a it's he wrote a one man show for himself basically. But it's really it's really inventive. Does he, Does he talk about Steven the happening Seagal without mentioning Steven Seagal? No, he talks about Seagal. He talks a lot about Sean Penn in Casualties of War. There's a lot of it's very it's really creative. I I think it's a I, I like Leguizamo. I think he's a very talented per- performer. So I, I was really happy to see it. Yeah. See, I like you know this scene. Obviously, it's very goofy. It, you know, it, it's aside from its worth in the film, it really it sort of works as a commentary on those who want soup. You know, you want costumes exactly like they are in the comic books. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, well, this, this is what it looks like in real life. This montage. Enjoy. Is, I think this montage is absolutely brilliant, and I think this song deserved an Oscar nomination. That's how much I love yes. this. Yes. <laughs> 
Like this is a this is the kind of this is the kind of song you want to see get nominated, where it factors completely into the movie, it applies to the themes, it's not at the end credits. Like everything about it makes sense to me. It's like what a best song nomination is. It's also really funny. Like it's really <laughs> really satirical in what it's trying to do. Well, I'm into it. I love the little wings on the hat there. Like it just it's so it's so funny. I like his sense of confidence towards the end. Like, what's up? Like Joe Johnson doesn't get enough credit for like his direction in this movie. Like it's nope, it's fantastic. But basically, you knew you kind of knew he was the right man for the job. If I mean, if you saw the Rocketeer, the Rocketeer yeah. <laughs> or even October Sky, audition. or I mean, like it, Jurassic Park Three, Jurassic Park Three. I mean that yeah that and like the Wolfman. Obviously, they're <laughs> direct to hire kind of things. But These things, some things just happen. No, I think this is. I mean, I think this is a better film than the Rocketeer. Oh yeah. Um, my only concern about this film before it came out is that I had watched The Rocketeer, and for me at least, it didn't hold up that well. Um, part of that is just because it clearly wanted to be a more expensive picture. I mean, they only have him flying as much as you know, as little as humanly possible, and I think the film, you know, hurts to that effect. But I mean, it's just wonder, you know, it's very well casted, it's very well acted. Um, but I think this is a movie that, you know, arguably had the kind of budget the Rocketeer probably wanted back in the day. Well, it also has the benefit of modern technology and what yes. too, to make a, you know, if we made a Rocketeer movie now, a jetpack would look pretty amazing. Like, yeah. You can yeah. only do so much with what you had at that time. And yeah, that's not, that's not an excuse necessarily because there's plenty of films that make use of the times they were in, the effects they had and whatnot. Like Dick Tracy, I think is a perfect example of that. Yes. But I mean, it, I, he did the best he could. I mean, I, I personally, I, I really enjoy that movie. I can agree that, yeah, the rocket effects don't look, like, amazing. But at the same time, I think it still has that, a lot of the same G-Wiz factor that, and, you know, retro stylings that make this film work. It's just, yeah, obviously this is on a better level. Yeah, I think if, if, they, if they were to do another Indiana Jones film, like, and Spielberg doesn't want to, just go to Joe Johnston. I mean, he's not going to yeah. be... I don't think he's going to be the huge name that, oh, look, who's directing a new one? But he's the perfect next choice. Like, he's he's proved it with his films that he's done. I mean, I think he... Did he even do, like, Young Indiana Jones stuff at one point? I believe so. I think that's true. Yes, he did. Okay. But I I think he's he's got it in to be great. I, I personally think you don't have to reboot Indiana Jones, but you can tell other tales with a different cast. And continue him going on instead of doing a fifth film, but <laughs> with a completely aged, you know, decrepit Indian Jones. Ow, 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 ow. Did, I, and Joe Johnston, well, he like he's also responsible for a lot of the coolest things in Star Wars too, like the at yeah. at design, I believe, like Boba Fett's basic design, like a lot of those things are all Joe yeah. Johnston. Joe Johnston's credit. Oh, Hidalgo, really? I forgot. Yeah, yeah, seriously, yeah. yeah he, he's in the he's in the Lucas Spielberg wheelhouse. Yeah. Well, good for him. He was, he's the Jay Baruchel to Lucas's Nick, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I know, what? I know. Well, I know Scott's a big fan of the Sorcerer's Apprentice, so that's where I was yeah, going. I like that. Oh, I like that. got it. <laughs> wow. I'm the one. <laughs> I believe it's on sale at Best Buy this week. I could, I could get it on Blu-ray. For cheap. <laughs> okay. I will defend that movie unto death. Um, one thing I do, I do like about their relationship. Is that it's yes, it's technically she's the romantic interest, but it's not predicated on romance. They are comrades and they are friends who confide in each other. 
And yes, they're both very attractive people who eventually fall for each other, but that's, it's only after they have a mutual friendship that causes that to develop. Well, it's believable that she's attracted to who he is, not yes, what exactly he looks like. for sure. Yeah, that's a and, good and it starts even before he becomes this massive. Well, punk. it's their first com- major conversation in the car where they both relate to being underdogs. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the way that montage scene ends, by the way, with the kind of smash cut to Germany and it's all dirty and dark, and the kid, the guys aren't you know taking the jokes the same way the kids do. That's a great way to end that sequence. It just caps mm-hmm. off what I love about that whole montage. Here's here's my big problem. Or not a big problem. Just a question. Were they like ready with those tomatoes? Yeah, yeah. as Danny <laughs> like, said, just... someone always brings vegetables to to a, to a Jeez, big speech. It's ridiculous. I have like three tomatoes under my desk all the time, just in case. Mm. I have See, I use potatoes because I want it to hurt. And you gotta wait <laughs> for the queue. They they go over queue uh, key points to now. No, 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 wait, guys. Nope, he's gonna say it now. Throw them. I bring yeah. baked potatoes when there's like a rally and there's food involved, just so it'll be warm mm. and it hits them. Oh yeah, you know you want you want them, you want them to feel it. On a rainy day like that, it might feel good. You know, no, 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 no. They messed up. You got to throw a hard Idaho potato in the middle of Italy. This is what happens. Anyway, Timothy Jones isn't he great? He is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a cool, dude. <laughs> He has the right. I like. I love Tommy. Like people, people want to you know not credit Tommy Lee. People often say Tommy Lee Jones just kind of does the Tommy Lee Jones thing, and that's true to a point. But there are shades to what he brings in his performances yeah. that I don't think are recognized enough. Like somebody like Lincoln, which I think is one of his career best performances. Oh yeah, he that Two Face. he he has a way of speaking and like i can't fault an actor for having a particular you know cadence to their speech but that doesn't just that doesn't take away from the quality of the performance they're giving and i think something like lincoln or something like this movie or something like the fugitive those are those are those are under siege heaven and hell hell. (laughs) those are are roles where he's really delivering as an actor that don't think get enough credit he has a movie star persona that is You know, it's an interesting persona, and because he is a a genuinely gifted actor, mm-hmm. it works. I mean, there are plenty of of actors that have personas that aren't, I would argue, particularly good actors. On the other hand, you have someone like Tom Cruise, who basically plays Tom Cruise in every movie, but does it really well. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Like Brad Pitt's Brad Pitt in every movie, but it's Brad Pitt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we. Uh... Forget too that I mean there was a period in the '90s where Tommy Lee Jones was just everywhere. He was the guy. Mm-hmm. Well, client, bro. And that's GFK. what's interesting. And that's what's interesting about this film is that you know in the early 2000s was when we start we started seeing somewhat of a uh, a drought of the kind of movies that Tommy Lee Jones would star in, the kind of movies that needed crusty character actors like him. So really, this was the first mainstream thing he had done in several years, to my recollection. Well, No Country for Old Men. Yeah. I wouldn't call that necessarily mainstream. That just happened to catch on because it got all the recognition it did. If it it, it didn't receive that critical acclaim and Oscar love, it would just be another Coen Brother movie that made $16 million. Exactly. Well, you you know what? (laughs) I don't know why we're not talking about his mainstream success of the three barriers of Miscalabra. The three barriers of (laughs) Elicato's Estrada, one of the best villains of the 2000s. (laughs) Well, I I, did. My wife always says that she ever meets Tommy Lee Jones. She says that she she will say that she loved him in Man of the House, which I have to explain <laughs> oh, to her. Man no, of no, the no. House. He, he will punch you. But yeah, really? I mean, 
yeah, you're looking at this. Yeah, like Space Cowboys. That's kind of. I like Space Cowboys. Yeah, that, I mean, but that's like that's kind of the the end before there's like a long draw. Like Men in Black Two. Yeah. That's more Will Smith. Uh, the Missing didn't take off. The Hunted was a box office bomb. That it I was still no country that he really started getting more prestigious work. Right? Yeah, because I think in, in the Valley of the Law, I think he's terrific in that movie. I believe he was. Yes. Yeah, he was nominated for Best Actor in that movie. He I, was. It, yeah. It also made ten dollars. Yeah, exactly. That came out the same year as No Country. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But he got not a Best Actor nomination for that was movie. An interesting but... year with very politically angry movies that nobody saw. Yeah, I love that year. The year's so good. Uh, even you know, I mean, you know, Robert Redford's uh, Lines for Lambs, which is yeah, it's a civics lesson, but it's a darn good one. Mm-hmm. That's a good example of where Tom Cruise is playing Tom Cruise, but to rather frightening effect. That was a, yeah. That was a good um scene of Cap just jumping out of the plane. It's always fun. <laughs> seeing him. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Front fire going on. Whatever. I'll just jump out. Now we introduce the you know the uh how the, exactly the vaguely recognizable character actors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Howling Commandos. I enjoy this. Uh, uh Neil McDonough's pretty pretty. See, he was one of my out of my Dreamcast. There was a time where he could have been a yeah. really, really good cap. Neil, he's saying Neil, Neil McDonough could have been a good Captain America. And I guess, yeah, he I he missed he missed his window. There was a, a yeah. time where he could, yeah he would have been on the top top mm-hmm. choice list. Like, but honestly, all the other choices that we're thinking about, like Jim Krasinski, he would have, or John Krasinski, I don't think would have worked out very oh. well. I no, I don't think so either. No. I can't. He was the camera. I can't see. Yeah, <laughs> I can't see him bulked up either. I can't just picture that as well. I don't. I don't see John Krasinski without some sort of like cute smirky irony to right. some of Cap's stuff. And he's not like built like a big. He's built like a gazelle, so he's like slender and kind of lanky. But anyway, he could be a fool. Wouldn't work. And I remember, him. you know, back in the day, I wanted John Hamm for this. But in retrospect, I was wrong because. Mm-hmm. At no point would you have bought John Hamm as an underdog. No, no, that's uh, you like, know I maybe can... Captain America Five could have been John Hamm as a somewhat <laughs> older and distinguished Steve Rogers. Well, if we, something if, like this, no. If we got my Golden Age Superman, then I'd have John Hamm right there. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that's oh, always yeah, I still, yeah. Golden Age Superman to me is Kyle Chandler, bro. <laughs> I can see it, but John Hamm, man. friend of the show, Kyle Chandler. Well, you're right, friend of the show, Kyle Chandler. <laughs> Um, I love this look for Cap, by the way, with that shield behind him and his kind of his his army duds that he's wearing. Like that's a that's a cool Cap look. No it's man, he needs to be in his exact costume from the exact comic issue. This <laughs> right now. I mean, it's pretty close. Ow, my head! I'm not alive anymore. <laughs> I think he's knocked him out. Oh, then the building that blows up on top of him will probably save him. You're too. correct. <laughs> like, I wonder how many concussion exams. <laughs> you know, if if this had been the the late '90s, early 2000s, this probably would have been the Captain America outfit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, leather. Yeah. It is like it's similar to Iron Man. I mean, Cap goes through like a number of different costume changes before he you know gets set on one ideal look. And even Winter Soldier looks like he's like eight. Yeah. <laughs> he has a cool, like... Well, it's just like Jim Carrey in Batman Forever. Yeah. He goes through a different costume every scene. And... Until he finally gets to the iconic costume that we know and love. And back... 
And I mean, Batman. The white one. Then he goes to the white one. With the, like, the weird, like, goo on his eyes to make the forms, which I wonder how he gets that. Like, what what effort does he put in in the mornings where he's like, yep, time to do this. (laughs) Get that hair going. Where's Drew Barrymore? Get her in here. I like that Antoine Fisher's here. That's a sorry, I, Eric Luke. Beat me to the Antoine Fisher. <laughs> and here's the token good guy Japanese guy. Uh, he's from Fresno. Yes. Okay, what <laughs> else is he in? I'm drawing a blank. The Asian character. Yeah. Uh, let me look. Better right. look tomorrow. Jim Morita. He's like in stuff, and I just can't remember. Like recently. Yeah, I'm trying to find right now. That's why I'm vamping. He was in Wolf of Wall Street. There. Oh yeah, that is. You're gonna eat that. You're gonna eat that. You're gonna eat that. Yeah. Can you that? Yeah. Speaking of which, I had no idea that his first wife was the was the quote unquote mother in How I Met Your Mother. Oh yeah, totally. And here's the lasers for that PG thirteen. <laughs> well, like, all right. Oh, the next one. that works. Lasers are better than tasers. Indeed. <sighs> Referencing RoboCop. More um, roles of Kenneth Choi. Um, Red Dawn, the remake, classic. Mm-hmm. War, the classic of Jet. Oh, Jason yeah. Uh, uh, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> and um, Street Kings, a movie that I find hilariously terrible. I love Street Kings. He, or, he like, beat the shit out of Reeves as a rookie? That's... Wait, Chris is Chris, Chris Evans is in Street Kings actually. <laughs> yeah, he is. Rookie, yeah. <laughs> but um, that's the movie where Terry Crews gets shot like 19 times in the chest, and Keanu Reeves rushes over. He's like, "Hold on, man, you're gonna make it!" Like, it's just, it's just <laughs> so good. <laughs> it is amazing. I love Street Kings. Oh, and like, I love it like so Forrest much. Whitaker's doing like an accent unrecognizable to Earth. <laughs> you like the Jodie Foster Elysium accent? Exactly. Exactly like that. Christopher Lambert School of Accents. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. That was actually my thought while listening to the Mortal Kombat commentary. That one shining time where Christopher Lambert was considered the big get. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> he's our. We got. He's our Marlon Brando, dude. Well, I tied the Street Kings thing in well because the his new David Ayer's new movie Sabotage comes out this Friday. <laughs> Indeed. I really want to see Sabotage. I'm looking at it too. Yeah. Movie looks fun. Yeah. I, I love the, and I, I mean this, that for about 10 minutes, this movie turns into a James Bond film. It, it really in, is. In the best possible way. Like, look at this view of this secret base lair. <laughs> it's like, this is a completely Bond movie. Uh, and this is the, you know, to a certain extent, this is the kind of action sequence that was arguably in somewhat shorter supply. You know, it, this, this, this big, impenetrable evil fortress with, with, Random bad guys running around and you know whatever. I mean, even in the GI Joe movie, you didn't get that much of that. Are you saying in regards to what? As far as oh, I guess there's two GI Joe movies. As um, no, just sort of well, this three big... if you got the animated one. <laughs> but that was in what 1987 or something. It's it's in my heart. I don't know. I think so. <laughs> so where Duke dies, then doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> yes. just like the Transformers movie. It's yes, where Optimus died and then doesn't. Did, did die. Yeah. Well, the voiceover at the end lets us know he's going to be okay. Well, no, Duke is going to be okay. Optimus Prime actually died. He died, yeah. Well, he died, but at the end, they're like, stay tuned, you know, the next season of Transformers were featuring the return of Optimus Prime, so you know he's coming back. I haven't watched... That was not in my theatrical print. Yeah, I gotta watch that Blu-ray again, which is fantastic, by the way. Rodimus Prime. (laughs) Um, Let's pause this conversation for a second, because what were they doing to Bucky in this room? (laughs) 
<laughs> just saying. Germans are into some stuff, man. What were they doing? Like, everyone else seemed to be in a prison. What were they doing to Bucky in this mysterious room over here? We choose you, Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> Roll out. They're like, they're looking at the list. Bucky? Bucky? Bring this guy in. We got to see this guy. Bucky? Who calls himself? I love this, like, that little conversation right there, too. It's like, what, what, what happened? I joined the army. Like, it's just such a, like, a fun matter of fact. I, way. I, love, their rela- I love their relationship. It's very, yeah. it feels real. It's authentic. I think the only thing. Big that, brother, little brother. The only thing, yeah, exactly. The only thing that keeps it from, I guess, registering more with casual fans is the fact that it's Sebastian Stan and not, like, someone, an actor they're more familiar with, perhaps. Because I feel like we're going to get to the Winter Soldier. And there's, there's going to be some, like, big, giant flashback to really explain who this Bucky character was, because I don't think he makes quite the impact. That, he doesn't. Wait, wait, that... wait. Winter Soldier's Bucky? Sorry. He looks so tough. Yeah. This is a cool shot. I love this. This thing's kind of cool. He knocked his eye out. Shot his eye out. Jeez, yeah, because this is my because I came in kind of unfair compared to other uh, movie fans, where I went in knowing exactly who Bucky Barnes was. Yeah, and yeah. Oh yeah, 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 he's yeah. Gonna be. So I already had a connection to him just whenever he showed up on screen. I think I thought it was weird that he was bigger than Cap because that's not the story at all. But I was already connected to him, and I already know what was going to happen. And I was, I think that it's going to resonate more with people who've read it than. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'll be curious yeah. how the movie does handle it because I think they are. And again, it's not like we're the only ones that thought of this. So I, yeah. I just assume that something needs to be done to explain that. <laughs> Sorry, I like that line. Just to explain who Bucky was and like, or like refresh your memory. Because I just don't think that Sebastian Stan, despite the chemistry I think they do have, made that much of an impact to really make you be be like, wow, I can't believe Bucky was the Winter Soldier the whole time. That's crazy. Like, I don't I don't see that reaction. I think they should just get that out of the way as quickly as possible. There's probably going to be some forced flashbacks. Well, that's, for... I assume the, I think, yeah. that's, I think that's the opening of the movie. I think that's right there is going to be, like, Bucky in some kind of, like, you know, hospital bed and, like, you, yeah. you know, things happen and whatnot to set up who this is, similar to something like Mickey Rourke in Iron Man 2, where you have this whole backstory thrown out there right away. And, and this movie too, except I mean, you're explaining and, Red Skull right away too. Yeah, Sebastian Stan has a nine-film Marvel contract. Spoiler, is that right? <laughs> what? <laughs> says spoiler. Well, I, I wish they would keep a lid on that. Well, yeah, I know, but I wish they would keep a lid and stuff like that before the movies I do come too. out. I but... do too. <laughs> I wish we could talk about the movie coming out instead of the one to come after it. Because frankly, it well. If you've read the comic books that they're going off of, the fact that Stan Sebastian has that nine-figure deal gives you a pretty good idea of what they might be doing in the future. Yeah. So does um, everybody else think that Steve Rogers is going to die in Avengers 3? Yes. Yeah. Because I think what's going to happen is that all these people with nine-figure deals are just going to kill off it in Avengers 3. It's the only logical way to do it while also keeping the stakes seemingly high, given that right. if we're going to make people come back and see heroes again we need to make it seem like something different is going to happen so wait how about yeah. we kill one of them that's crazy or they're going to have a big ceremony where captain america's like here you go bucky you are now captain america and then iron man's like hey roadie now you any day hand <laughs> out their cows and masks and, and then and thor then... goes to loki now you're <laughs> wait never mind well yes. that's that's why it's weird. <laughs> it's 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 weird just thinking it like 
at the point we're at now, just based on Hollywood, Hollywood know-how, it just seems inevitable that Tony Stark has to die in Avengers 2. Like, that's, like, the only thing that seems to make most yeah. sense at this point. <laughs> well, I hope he doesn't die. I mean, no, he can I... retire and... If it wasn't Joss Whedon, I'd say yes, but... <laughs> <laughs> but Kevin Feige has, has said they'll just recast the people. Yeah. Um... I think death, death is such a, like, it's such a lazy thing nowadays. Death is never it's, the answer. I don't think it's Life lazy if it's, is... uh, if it's done, I mean, just same with anything, if it's done right. That's. Yeah, but it's so, uh, it's like, oh, he's not going to be in another movie, so he has to die. Because yes. the actors, like, it's so late. It's just, it's gotten old to me and so predictable and lame. Yeah, like, but I mean, it's, it's not like it's Peggy or like some like support to ter- tertiary character. It's like, Tony. It's Tony Stark. It, we can't, can't let her. We can't let him ride off in the sunset. I, I love Tony Stark. Again, so I'd be happy to see it. That'd be great. But I just don't expect that really to be the way they go. No, of course not. Because it's. I mean, if you leave him alive, there's you know still that chance. But like, it's just so. It's I've seen so much of it done. Like. I just uh, like on TV show between TV shows and film, it's just it's boring now to me that someone's contract is up, so up oh, they're dead. And again, that's why it helps to not know these kinds of inf- this kind of information. Yeah. Ah, the good old days. <clears throat> I really like the Tommy Lee Jones Peggy conversation, by the way. Yes, it's a reflection of kind of where they stand, who they are, who they care about. Alan Silvestri's score is pretty good in this movie. It's a, it's a. It is. I I think, I wish he had been. You know, I don't know whether you know, editorial edict or whatever. That you know, I wish he had used the Captain America theme where appropriate in the Avengers. Yeah, my, one of my one of my bigger gripes in the Avengers is that I just not a fan of the score all that yeah. much. And that's something. There's a, wait, there's a score? Yeah, <laughs> that's something that's been a. The theme has grown on me a little bit. I, well, I, yeah, I say that, and that just comes out of repeat viewings rather than really appreciating yes. it necessarily. Like, and that goes off a lot of movies. The same, um, with, uh, but that's something that it's hard to like ask one composer to do all these Marvel movies. Although it seems like um, BT is um, scoring everything now from. Iron Man three and now Avengers two and whatnot, but and he did it, Brian Tyler. He did a Thor: The Dark World as well. Like it, there's something about not having a unifying like theme or composer lead. But I like the diversity. So it's weird. It's hard. To, it's a hard thing to kind of go back and forth on. Like I feel like Iron Man had three different composers for all three movies, and that that affected my thoughts on it being like a rounded off trilogy, just because it didn't really have a unifying core to it necessarily. <laughs> that's the best kind of thing it's like yeah he because he's worked so hard <laughs> that makes me so happy when that happens in movies like yeah give it up to this guy <laughs> did all by himself well there's it's a like... certain you know good things happening to good people throughout this film um, yeah, and like karma. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's a very basic, but very the very basic idea of it. But like later on in the movie, there's a part where someone hands Captain America's shield or like throws it to him, and he's like, "Thanks." And it's just those kind of moments that just make him stand out as like a character more. <laughs> like, who says that? Have you ever heard "thanks" like in a movie, like on like in one of these movies when like stressful situations are happening? Like no one ever says. Ah, like, the Stanley cameo that takes me out of the movie. <laughs> <sighs> 
partially because it looks painfully like, you know, it's obvious that it was shot completely separate from everything else. My question is, why won't the president know that he's not there? <laughs> like, before he goes out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he wouldn't know, like, ten minutes before. It's like, hey, is he here? There's a lot of things going on, Alan. They're at war. They're at and like, war, okay, damn it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's a PR war. And did anybody else think that when Tony Lee Jones is in the helmet, he kind of looks like Robert De Niro? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I thought he did. Yeah. Well, they were both in the family together. That's a great movie, right? No. Duh. <laughs> oh. I didn't see it, so I assumed it was great. How did that ma- movie manage to be that boring? Um, was it boring? Oh, it was yes. Just, it, it was, was very dumb. Ugh. And then it ends because he needs an action scene. So here we go. There you go. There's one. Yeah, that's oh, that's cool. What's her name just popped up? Um, Natalie Dormer. Natalie Dormer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Currently on Game of Thrones, stooping the bad guy. Currently <laughs> in my heart. Stooping. 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 <laughs> she was also stooping Thor and Rush. Yes. I yep. want to see these guys out drink the monuments, man. <laughs> it's made up of the same basic people. <laughs> I know. I want to see it. And no, this is more uh, culturally diverse. Over down in the corner over there. The Inglorious Bastards are fighting in some other basement. Yes. <laughs> uh, this, a lot of pomade in these extras. Good thing to point out right now. We're going to see this bar again later. I'm just going to say that right now. Oh, that's oh. right. I've never noticed that. But the, yeah, we're going to. We're in a bar right now. It's all nice and really well lit. I love this exchange. This just sums up their relationship perfectly. Yeah. And it really, it sums up the movie in that, you know, Steve Rogers is the hero, not Captain America. Exactly. And that to me is the key to a good superhero film where it's about the real person, not, you know, the costume or the, the identity, if you will. Well, and I like none of the Marvel movies keep, uh, with the Avenger series, have secret identities. I mean, every no. it's pretty much public knowledge. People know who oh. the superheroes are. Very so there's true. no wasted time on keeping it a secret. Yeah. Except for the first Iron Man. For Which isn't even a secret. It's more of, well, I guess we got to end this somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's not really yeah. a point in Iron Man where he's pretending not to be Iron Man. It's just more of, oh, yeah. I guess we, now we have to address the press. How do we go? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whereas a lot of the DC movies have spent a lot of time with their stories adding the I gotta keep my identity a secret. I wanna get back to that in a second, but I like that this scene's lit exactly this way, just so Peggy Carter looks all the more oppressive impressive with that red dress on. <laughs> <laughs> um with the DC movies y- yeah, uh, I mean Spider Man does it too for that matter. But um yeah. those one even those one like Batman is like an obvious one and it kind of it fits into mm-hmm. various themes involving that movie in terms of being a symbol and well, protecting. Green Lantern, as much that, as we want to forget that one. No, no but I'm, I'm getting that. Because Green Lantern, I don't think it, I think it toys with that idea. It really doesn't get to a point where that matters. Like, the the one point it does, Blake, is Blake Lively? Blake Lively's character immediately is like, what, you didn't think I could recognize your cheekbones? Like, she, it doesn't matter. Like, it, it doesn't yeah. get, it doesn't get to kind of a Green Lantern doing business throughout the city and protecting his identity moment in that film. And that's actually one of my favorite bits of, the, of that film, is that his friends, you know, figure it out immediately because they're not stupid. Yeah, and like Superman. Well, honestly, and, in the world and, of social media, you know, secret yeah. identities are kind of mute. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but even like Man of Steel, that doesn't even matter in that movie. Like, no, literally. <laughs> like, yes. Until, yes. Yeah, until the last like ten seconds when he's working at the Daily Planet, all of a sudden. 
everybody's like, who's Superman? Oh, you mean Clark? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite, uh, or not my favorite, but that's an SNL skit I really like, where, like, The Rock is Rock's hosting. Oh, yeah. He's playing, like, Clark Kent, and everyone, like, knows that he's Superman. <laughs> he doesn't know that they know, and so they're, like, all messing with him. <laughs> that's a, that's a <laughs> Like, he's this big old guy, and he's, like, they're, like, they're, like, they say things, like, look out the window, there's a cat in a tree, and he's, like, where, where? And he's, like, no, just kidding. Like, it's just this kind of, like, joke thing. It's, it's pretty funny. That's still one of my favorite SNL episodes ever. And he's, like, Mr. Peeper's father in that one, too. Like, that's a good... <laughs> The Rock on SNL makes me laugh. <laughs> like, oh, he was so good. so massive. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, like he was a nicotine guy. It was like a drug. He would just beat the hell out of you so he could quit smoking. <laughs> yes, Peggy, oh. I was making out with Natalie Dormer because she's Natalie Dormer. Sorry. Have you seen her? He has a really, <laughs> he has a really interesting look. Have you seen Game of Thrones? Did you Come watch on. the Tudors? Did you? <laughs> Even half her head shaves hot. Come on. Dracula went to sex rehab because of her. Have you watched the Tudors? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it for America. <laughs> I'm going to show her my ass. <laughs> I'm doing it for a little cat. <sighs> I like this fondue running gag that gets ended here. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, this is fondue. Thanks. And I like that, you know, he and her are not sleeping together. They're yeah. just friends. They respect each other. Ah. Uh... No, that's, you know, again, it's, it's interesting. What a genuinely good guy Howard Stark is in this film, compared to the somewhat you know detached character that we know from the Iron Man films. It's the kind of thing where when you have a movie like this that's set in World War II, it's easy to explain away character motivations just because the war effort makes it so yeah. simple to get across character ideals. Indeed. By the way, if you have a shield like this and it's not tested, you don't just you know shoot at it. That's just silly. Woman. Yes. <laughs> it, it played off well in the trailer. It does, but like, I'd, I'd be mad still. Don't shoot at me, please. Also, <laughs> those bullets from Bounce, so stop it. Ah, you shot me in the arm! That was rad. One of my favorite lines from the comic book was um, Sharon Carter, I guess her grand- granddaughter. Age 13? Yes. Ask uh, Cap, hey, so how do you dodge bullets? The reasoning is that he just sees faster than other people. Oh. <laughs> I know those who, like, part of the superhero serum is that he just sees everything faster. Apparently, we need so a montage. In slow motion. Yeah, see, like that. Here we go. Trailer shot, trailer look shot. How cool Bucky looks. Look how cool he looks. They all look badass. They? <laughs> yeah, but Bucky doesn't yeah, look Yeah, they're all red. Leather jackets? Ugh. <laughs> like, you know, we could, do a, we could do a Marvel shot with just his crew. Yeah, uh, one shot. That would Howl, be the Howling Commandos. Uh-huh. I love this like. Asses. I love yeah. I love Red Skull's like <laughs> exacerbated, exacerbated <laughs> like. Oh my god again! <laughs> I like how he tries. I like, I like Johnson tries to like add a, like a lot of dynamic uh, play in how these scenes play out. Like the first one's like this big crazy assault. Here's like a snowy stealth scene. Then we get like the the um the tank thing. Like it's just like all these different kinds of ideas going on in here. Derek Lewis just tearing people up. Yeah. He's, he's about to like, I am the miracle at St. Anna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a one-man Spartan army. Exactly. Let's <laughs> do Derek Luke. I love Spartan, by the way. I love that movie. Uh, Which one? Spartan with uh, Valkyrie. Oh, Spartan's Spartan. great. Yeah. Emmett film. That's, I love yeah. that movie. I really like that movie. 
David Mamet put out a string of really good films for a while. Yeah, I'm a, oh. I'm a big David Mamet fan. I, I like his movies quite a bit. I like that Tommy Lee Jones like. Yeah, yeah just right off camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Boom! Where did he get that gun? This is actually, you know, the scene of him sniping. One of the interesting ideas they had in the Brubaker, the start of the Ed Brubaker arc, that Winter Soldier is what I gather loosely based off of. 3D shot, sorry. Mm -hmm. Yes. Is the idea that Bucky was the one that did the nasty wet work that, you know, the symbolic Captain America couldn't be seen doing. You you can't have, you know, Captain America running around slitting people's throats, so you had Bucky doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, Bucky was the comedian while Captain America was met Dr. Manhattan. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so angry. <laughs> He's so red faced right now. <laughs> He's a ginger. Um, I remember one comic where Red Skull was dressed up like in a in like a suit and tie, but his sleeves were rolled up. And he was frustrated. So um, there's a. <laughs> I call that term um, the middle management Red Skull. <laughs> he's just like he's angry all the time. His art, he's like his sleeves are rolled up, and he's like, I'm so upset with everything. He's so angry all the time. This is the scene where you could cross over Hellboy into Captain America. Yeah, <laughs> I love this zip lines. Yes. Zip lines are this is, awesome. This is awesome. Yes. Why zip line? Because it's awesome. <laughs> why zip? Why not? This is just cool stuff. Like, it's hard to try to talk over this stuff because I'm like, I'm watching yeah. it. It's so engaging. I'm enraptured. And I understand those that were disappointed that it was all these neat trailer shots were one of part of a montage instead of, you know, actually sustained action sequences. But as a result, you do get a lot of a variety of action in a very brief period of time. For sure. Whoever complained is stupid because that was rad. <laughs> See, and this is right. the Captain America suit I really like. Yeah. This well, is way better than the one he had in Avengers. Yeah, I agree. I like this one more than the the Avengers modern touch that they applied to it. I I I wish there was like a great video game to go with this because I'd play it. Like I know there was a video game, but I don't recall it being great. 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 Yeah, as I wouldn't. Yeah, expect it's, it's it to called be. Uh, Marvel Lego. Lego Marvel Superheroes is a great game. Yeah, yes. Lego Marvel Superheroes. Like, that one. Like, you, yeah, yeah. It's just timing and. Studio. It's called Call of Duty, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> you said duty. Well, um, <laughs> it's a decent Nintendo game with Captain America and Hawkeye. You just throw your shield a bunch, and that's about it. That old, yeah. That's all you need to do. Well, there was and, the, the arcade game. Yes. Captain America and the Avengers. That was a sweet game. That was a rad game. That was game. a good game, yeah. I, I said they don't sell that one on PS3. My kid would like playing that. Yeah. God, those are... those All the like Marvel, old Marvel ones on like, Sega and arcade are, are pretty solid. You it's can stupid. Buy the my life for that one for like two thousand dollars. Yeah. See, my life goal is to own the arc, the X Men arcade, and the um, Captain America Avengers arcade game. I mean, yeah. X, and like I because guess, I want to be single the rest of my life. X, well, I guess like X Men, Ninja Turtles, Simpsons, and yeah, Captain America: The Avengers. Ooh. Well, see, like I get the appeal of having the actual arcade box, but I mean, you can get the X Men game and Turtles in Time and dollars. You can yeah. get Turtles in Time, but uh, the the first one. The original no, I want the box. No, I know. I know. What, again, I know what you mean, but like, it's not like I can't play those games now. Oh, I probably wouldn't yeah. play them. I just want the box. <laughs> I don't buy movies <laughs> to watch them, Aaron. I buy them to own I them. The chance. I like this um, action scene, by the way. I like the kind of 
the cramp quarters and the teamwork being yeah. used here, followed by Bucky like having a pretty sad death that gets a little overshadowed by the fact that I just don't care that much about Bucky's presence. <laughs> well, no, it's because you know he's going to come back. That's part of it, for sure, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, well, he's gone. That was a little unceremonious. <laughs> well, I like that it was, you know, it was quick and, you know, ra- you know random. Foreshadowing. War. I can agree with that. It, is, it does have a yeah. It does kind of have a random uh, beat to it. I mean, it plays less like oh god, Buck, Captain America's best friend just died versus uh oh, Captain America just lost one of his own men. That's yeah, that's the way to yeah. think of it. But it ma- it makes me curious what kind of a casual audience member thinks of this kind of scene versus us who are pretty sure that Bucky's probably not gone for t- for long in the grand scheme of things. Well, I think in that casual... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, for what it's worth, when this film first came out, we didn't know for sure they were doing the Winter Soldier storyline. For and sure, but... We it, certainly didn't know for sure it was doing the second movie. Yeah, we, we knew we, it was a big possibility. But we, spent yeah. a, but we spent a lot of time with Cap interacting with this person, and he just kind of fades into the background, like, out of nowhere, and it's it, it's and, not met with, it's not met with much fanfare beyond this scene and the next yeah. scene. Yeah. Well, and it's, well, and they didn't suit up Bucky. He was just Bucky as a soldier. True. He never, so, and, and again, he wasn't cast as someone of a bigger draw, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, yeah. It's not like Steven Seagal an executive decision. It's not like that, <laughs> exactly. Well, it's it's someone that they could make themselves through telling movies a bigger person. Yeah. But... Yet another Hugo Weaving movie with an interrogation featuring a delicious steak. <laughs> it, was, it was also an actor who would be willing to sign a nine-film contract. <laughs> very, very true. That's uh, that's yeah. That's obviously very true. But it, it's, you know, I mean, yeah. Uh, and this, you know, this sequence, Cow. aside from its plot use, again, this is an America that didn't torture, and got the information they needed through, you know, friendly interrogation. Genial sensibilities. <laughs> exactly. Some good old elbow grease. And cow. Lots of cow. That does look delicious. Does. Even I though. even had steak tonight, and I'm still hungry for that. <laughs> well, I not really steak. It was... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought the little glass of milk. milk. The little glass of milk. Yeah, who drinks milk with steak? I <laughs> drink milk with steak. When I, when I, so when I visit my milk grandmother steak. sometimes, she'll make a steak and pour me a glass of milk. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> It's like a, it's a total 19, like, 40s thing, I it guess. It is, yeah. It's a, yeah, yeah, of course. He's not going to drink well, a, you, a you tab. Gotta eat the, yeah, you got to eat the, you got to eat the juice from the meat that you're eating. It just makes sense. It's like a full circle thing. <laughs> Him saying that would be awkward is one of the funniest deliveries of anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You just get the sense that Tommy Lee Jones wanted that steak more than Toby Jones. <laughs> I bet he did flubbed his lines purposely so he can have more steaks. <laughs> I would have. Sorry, guys. We're going to have to take that one again. <laughs> I know. You get a fresh steak. Went through 17 steaks, Mr. Jones. Well, he finally got it right when they ran out of fillets. Out sorry. Of... All we got left are really fatty ribeyes. It's been Damn it. Days. Okay, I'll do the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Toby's not even here anymore. We have a double extra. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman for irony. <laughs> oh. <laughs> ah, Capote humor. <laughs> uh, 
Or we could bring in Anthony Hopkins to hit. That's true. Mm. Toby. Toby would be great in a droopy dog movie. <laughs> and even then, there'd probably be another droopy dog movie before that one gets made and produced. I don't know. If you were working for Red Skull, would you occasionally find his face funny? I mean, that's why I have a mask. So I don't. I can hide the smiles a lot easier. <laughs> you can never tell when he's yes. angry. <laughs> you can't, like, all of them are probably like, oh my god, this guy. <laughs> Put his mask back on. Come on, guys. What do you think? Yeah, you can't laugh or it'll kill you, but it's funny. Like, they're just looking at him not having eyebrows and being like, man, this is great. That's <laughs> 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 such a bad sunburn. It's own jokes like, man, I bet you if you made him laugh so hard, no milk would come out of his nose because he doesn't have a nose. <laughs> That's just why you want to be in the back row with those guys. I mentioned the mouth are exposed. I mentioned that bar earlier. This is that same bar. I never caught that callback. Yeah. Hmm. It's all blown out as the wars move further and further. Which adds another shade of, you know, sadness to the fact yeah. that Cap's uh, best yeah, friend. Totally there yeah, were good, there were good times had there. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is exactly how it happened. Like, she came through the door the same way with Cap sitting in the same position. Like, it's it's very subtle, yes, but it, it's, it's, a neat, it's a neat touch that Joe Johnston put in there. Why isn't he listening to Eve's PAF right now? Because <laughs> she's trapped in a lair with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, God. <laughs> Cote yard mashup jokes. Wow. It's a nice little um, way to reflect what he's going through by explaining his powers. I like that. He can't get drunk. His power is he can't get drunk. That's the greatest superhero power ever. Or the greatest curse. Tony Stark would kill for that, or create Ultron <laughs> for that. <laughs> so he's well, like he's like the angels in Dogma. Yeah. Yeah. Except I'm sure he has a working. He can digest you know. it though. But he can't yeah. transubstantiate because he's already a man. <laughs> I the quality of the dialogue in this scene is worth pointing out. It's just good, smart dialogue. Until he does the whole, I'm going to get him, or grr. But aside from that, I love this conversation. It's a well-written movie overall. I mean, Yeah, of, it really oh, is. Yeah. And I would say, because I, I, mean, I, at least in terms of capturing kind of the comic book essence for a lot of the other ones, it works. But this one stands, stands you know, ahead above some of the others. I mean, I know you and Brandon, Scott and Brandon, like Iron Man 3 more than I do. But, I mean, I can I could recognize Shane Black's what he brings to a script like that as well. Like there's, you know, it's some of these like Thor, it rides on a certain aspect as opposed to being a really deep script. Although I do like the Shakespearean drama that's going yeah. on there. Oh, this is a much better written screenplay. I would say than mm -hmm. I don't want to say any of the Marvel movies. Cause I'm sure. You I know, would. I, yeah. Yeah. Off and yes. And yes, I really do like Iron Man three quite a bit, but I think this but is there's no this reason probably, that it has to be. <laughs> Yeah, it's, this, is my, this is no probably still that. my favorite Marvel movie. Oh, 100%. And even this, I love how most of the action is, you know, it's clear, it's mostly wide shot, you can see what's going on, and there's a, there's a sequence coming up here that's a really long, fluid take. It's, um, it's what happens when you bring someone like Joe Johnson, who comes from that kind of period of action directors that know how to, yeah, that know how to 
stage a scene, and even even with the fast cutting, like some directors do that better than others. Obviously, Paul Greengrass knows how to make that kind of thing work. He's the one that basically brought that in, ushered that into the mainstream. But so yeah. Joe Johnson fits into that like McTiernan, uh, Rennie Harlan, whatever mode where. They, they're not necessarily like the best they, directors they ever, but they like and enjoy what's going on on screen. They exactly. give you a chance to. Yeah. And by the way, if you I didn't realize, I did that. if you didn't realize that Joe Johnson directed or you know brought together a lot of things from Star Wars, the speeder bike chase is a pretty good example yeah. of that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that there's a base like this shape of ramps. Genius. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should have faced it the other way. They're just, you know, they're not thinking. Cap's plan here? Not the best. <laughs> not the best plan. Well, well, speaking of Star Wars references, is the classic Return of the Jedi, let's all get captured plan. I mean, but <laughs> he has no real, like, if, if Cap didn't have his shield or he just, you know, missed deflecting something, he'd be dead. Like, oh, yeah. It's like, Cap doesn't miss. There's no plan here. <laughs> well, and, you know, in about five minutes, you know, Red Skull is about to blow his brains out only because his friends show up at just the right time. If they're ten seconds later, he's dead. There's a lot of convenience going on in how, like, there's no reason for them to like suddenly start using flamethrowers to trap him as opposed to just continuing to, to shoot him. Try him dead. <laughs> like, like, like right here, him. everyone on fire. Him. Yeah, let's take him out. Shoot him, guys. We got him. Like done. <laughs> Threat eliminated. Clears. Skull. Hey, yeah, I thought you were gonna bring the cat. We shot him. Like he's gone. <laughs> I figured. Yeah, here's the shield. Here's his hat. I figured you'd be cool. Yeah, I'm cool. Thanks, guys. You get you're in a raise. You're you're in um you're in Hydra Supreme now. You're you're in Squid Art. You're in, you you're, to, you're in Squid. You team. want a red skull like me? You want to be blue skull? You want to be? I got an extra bottle of serum. <laughs> now, if Captain had some information they were wanting, that would make a little more. But he doesn't. Like, what information does he have? Like, he has nothing to share besides just saying, "Yeah, I'm also a product of your friend," which we already talked about before. I like uh, Skull's uh, suspenders. <laughs> I love how I, is dainty the right word? Yeah, no, he, he looks uh, he looks fairly uh, prim and proper right now. Yeah, a man that's bent on you know launching a stealth bomber into America. <laughs> and compared to every compared to everybody around him, <laughs> I mean, he's he's collars, but he look he looks a lot like he reminds me of Timothy Dalton in uh, Rocketeer when he's in full evil mode. Yes. Yeah. Shoot him now. Villain for years. Yeah, right? He tried. I mean, he tried to shoot him just then, so... Yeah. Here comes the shield thing, by the way. Oh, right. Here it is. Oh, I grabbed Like he says, thanks. (laughs) Matthew McConaughey is right. Wasn't he in the running for Cap? I'm sure at some point he was. Conaghy, yeah. Hey, all right, all right, all right. Oh, we know these soldiers. I just want to know how Hydra gets this much funding. Well, the deep science division of the Nazis. Hitler was a big fan of science, as well he should be. Did they just make up money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, uh... he's, got, he's got Hitler bucks. No, bucks. He's, he's got bison bucks, actually. <laughs> Whoa. How do they account for the evaporated people? people? Yeah, how do they... Are, are you here? Are you here? I, okay, I just assume evaporated. the dog tags are left behind, apparently. Or yeah. Like, how does that work? It's, uh... 
How are they very, completely very evaporated? No, we what, just, you know, what happened to my take, husband? They oh, take, he was evaporated um, with a laser. They take roll mind. call beforehand, and then just, you know, whoever doesn't Subtract. show up at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jones is killing it. <laughs> Geometry. Shot. Yeah. Where'd that guy come from? <laughs> Keep out of Curses. nowhere. They all, they all hang on. Save point. There's a lot of ceilings that they hang on. They're like the alien. They can just kind of blend in. They just blend in. Everyone's badass in this movie. Like, no one, like... Yeah. Like, no one, like, sits out a day. No one's like, Toby. I'm going to take a walk. <laughs> Even Toby. <laughs> yeah. What? Two? Right. Get him. Get him. Even the two just, you know, tossing off grenades. Like, everyone gets yeah. a beat. <laughs> aim for the skull, not the henchman. No, really. Does it seem like they slipped instead of they got shot? My evil chair. <laughs> yes. Oh, hey. Commence flying. I like we've, we've we've mentioned a lot of like kind of similar like we said we've talked about a uh, James Bond and Indiana Jones. This whole end sequence is completely out of a, a James Bond. Or, uh, sorry, an Indiana uh, Jones movie for me. Just in terms yeah. of getting in. Yeah. It's more out of the Indiana Jones stunt show from Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love all this, this is... stuff, by the way. This is... Trailer shot! There it is. Yeah! That was That's great. Indiana was a, Jones. That Super Bowl trailer, remember that Super Bowl trailer? That was yep. the first thing we ever saw for Captain America. They they recut that 30 seconds into, like, Team America's America F. Yeah song, which <laughs> was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the world's over. We failed. Oh, good thing. Never mind. Car's here. <laughs> we hot-wired his car. <laughs> Our red car, red skull leaves the keys under the, the floor mat. This is just like yeah. bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> How do you go leave my ass in the middle of a firefight to get the damn car? Oh, he has knives too. Oh, hey. A la black sheep. <laughs> yeah, Chris Farley movie. That was an old one. Yep. Chris Farley would have been a good captain. Get it! Get it! Chris Chris Farley would have been a good Bucky. <laughs> yeah, he would have been. <laughs> Red Brown. No, it would have been Chris Farley as captain, and then it would have been David Spade as Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> I'd so watch that movie, too. <laughs> Just so matter of fact. This does work for me in terms of kind of cliffhanger excitement with like him in the car trying to get to like it, it, it pays like you know he's gonna get it you know these two are fine yeah. but it's still it all just is assembled so well. Well, it's quality action. It is, yeah. And Don't he, move, girl. <laughs> and that's the last she sees of him because yep, she's dead. Really? Now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, she's dead now. I mean, the last thing, the last way they enter, well, no, I guess they talk, but enemy physical interaction, isn't that their yeah, seal yeah. of the deal for what it's worth? Chicago. I think he has other bombs helpfully labeled. This one goes yeah. to New York, this one goes to Boston. You Why just dropped New York in Chicago, damn it. I mean, 
pre- presumably Cap wasn't going to ruin their day, so it's like, oh, this is helpful. Like, we don't need to worry about anything. This is like the Raider scene right here where he like drops out of the thing and Oh yeah. That's like it's, it's, uh... it's such a I mean frankly, considering how action light the first Marvel movies were. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah, this was the first one that really felt like a full blown action picture. With both quantity and quality in terms of its action. He's such a badass. This will be he just, just throwing people out. Yeah. <laughs> he's just straight up because he's going to throw a propeller in a minute. Which yeah, is that's Indiana I mean, Jones bit. Yeah. And Die Hard 2. This is the kind of this I love this. I love yeah. the fact is like now Cap's outside the plane, he's falling down in a bomb. What yeah. do we do to get him back? And they the film like writes itself into a corner and finds a way out of it. Yeah. Well, why don't we just put a propeller on it? That's sick. And yeah, he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Earn that PG thirteen. That's a oh, that's a hard PG. Dude, uh, hey, later, buddy. I'm sure he had a parachute. Yeah, we needed him to live. <laughs> he'll, he'll get He's his the winner soldier. He'll get his revenge in Cap 3. The search for more money. <laughs> Cap 3, suck it, Batman. <laughs> I, wasn't it that Chris Evans is the only, like, Avenger that likes doing, like, these movies? Because I think Chris Hemsworth just hates the diet. Scarlett Johansson wants to get paid more. Jeremy Renner's like, what would you do in Tony? Um, <laughs> Jeremy Renner's like, what are my five lines? I like to think Sam Jackson has a kick out of doing this. I think, uh, from what I heard, like a couple of them were upset that they make more money because they heard how much Robert was making. But Chris Evans like, I don't care, I'm kind of American, it's Fred. And now he's retiring. <laughs> now he's so, retiring. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have time to do anything else. What do you mean he's retiring? He's, uh, he's reportedly retired from acting to be focused on directing. Yeah, he's going to keep to his Marvel obligation, yeah. but that's the only acting he's going to do. Oh, good for him. Presumably, he'd probably act in his own movies. Yeah. He'd probably go like the, the Clooney route of anything, where he'd only choose like mm-hmm. films that he deems important to be a part of. Yeah. Oh, and he could he could re up for some Marvel deals too. You never know. He yeah. never ruled he never ruled that out. He just said, if you see me on screen, it'll probably be due to Marvel obligations. It's the kind of thing where. It's not like he's a politician. Like, he says something now. I don't need... Yeah. It doesn't make me upset that suddenly he's... What? He said this thing and now he's doing another? Like, it's not like... It's a movie star. <laughs> like, who cares? Like, what, no, Whenever they back. say retire, it just means probably a lengthy break. I mean, he could go 10 years and direct some things yeah. and then decide he just wants to act again. Yeah, well, the same thing like... like um Bloggers want to get on like Kevin Smith's back because he said he was retiring from directing, yeah. but now he's direct. It's like who cares? Like what did he? Like, Technically, yeah, he never this, really directed. How, did, how does this affect? <laughs> <laughs> how, like how does this affect, burn? How does this affect you? Like what? What difference does this make if some man makes more movies? Like what? I, I thought he was going to make more movies that I'm not going to see. Or I really not, wanted Cellular too, man. I, I hate seeing trailers for his movies. Oh. Um. See, I'm an avid wrestling fan, and I've heard many people say they retire and they come back later. So, like, yeah. that doesn't, it doesn't affect me. I mean, like, good for them. In, in comics itself, like, a lot of these guys die, and then they come back issues later. <laughs> yeah. Like, I told, uh, I made a joke the other day, like, you know how Twinkies just came back? Yeah. They're like the comic book pastry, because they all died, everybody freaked <laughs> out, and they came back, and everybody wanted to buy it. 
I like that whole like the set turning scene. By the way, that was a cool yes. like I assume oh, yeah. of like gimbal and whatever effects to make that work. It's... Don't touch the magical glowy thing. Yeah. Don't don't touch don't touch. You would have been fine if you didn't touch. I have no idea the logic of this cube, by the way. No. It makes no sense to me. <laughs> Whatever. Well, the you think you should have noticed that maybe he'll put it back down. It does make me curious what the future entails for Red Skull, if we'll ever see him again. Oh, I think we'll see him sometime soon at a theater near you. <laughs> I have no idea, to be honest. That sucks. Maybe he turns into a giant tree. <laughs> he becomes well, Thanos. <laughs> that's as definitive a death as you could want. The cube but... just like the blood from Alien. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh. Which action, let's land this bad boy. Which action movie is it where he's like half? Oh, it's Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> where he's like half dead bison all dead <laughs> yeah then he wasn't <laughs> <laughs> and then he wasn't again at the very end of the credits god it was years before I noticed that I'll tell you though it was probably at least 15 maybe close to 15 10 15 years before I realized that there was a credit cookie in Master of the Universe well, you're, you haven't changed, Scott. You're still sticking. You're still leaving pretty quick during these movies and these credits yeah. roll. That is true. <laughs> Never want to stick around. See what we Something could have happened at the end of nonstop. Who knows? <laughs> oh, that movie was awesome. That was fun. It was so dumb. I loved it. Oh, yeah. That had a good of a cast as this does. That's a stupid good cast. I can't get over it. Anyway. Do we need to, like, address how maybe simple it could have been for Cap to maybe hop out of this plane before it, like, completely crashed? He jumps out of the planes all the time without a chute. How is this different? I well, wanted to make sure it landed in the, you know, not city. It seems like when you're right before crashing, I feel like you're pretty set on it not hitting the de desired destination. <laughs> Perhaps. Maybe, maybe he faked his death and is living in France with Anne Hathaway. There you go. <laughs> I, I can do that. It's a long-ass rain check, man. <laughs> Just because they show him in the cockpit right before it blows up doesn't mean he was actually in the cockpit when it blew up. <laughs> I get... Where do they find... Do they find him in the... We don't really see where they find his body, right? They find the shield. They find the shield. Yeah. I guess he's, like, in the cockpit or something. Well, didn't Edward Norton find him in a deleted scene? He, he uh, didn't even find him. It's just... No, they just, there's a shot of him in the ice that blows up along with, like, things that Hulk is doing. Yeah. Do it. But yeah, I like the other idea. I like him just being with Anne Hathaway in France. <laughs> like Tommy Lee Jones is all there. It's like every <laughs> every, every year, I took every a holiday. Year. I took a holiday. I went to Florence. There's this cafe. 
I blew through most of your money doing this, but you were gone, so what the hell? <laughs> I look across the tables. And Howard Stark <clears throat> is given directions to find the new Captain America symbol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I guess it cra- like it crashed in one piece. It doesn't seem to have been an explosion, really. It seems like he probably could have jumped out or something. Yeah, like, did he... I don't... Did he get concussed and, like, sink yeah, into the ship? I guess that'd be the best way to explain it. Like, he, I mean, obviously he did, because he's alive still. So, okay, regardless... Can- here can I have one more? Can I have one more uh, Dark Knight Rises scene? Huh? <laughs> well, but let's pretend Bucky didn't bite it, and he just quits the military, and he's picking up his stuff, and the woman says, "Oh, I like that name, Winter Soldier." <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Damn it, guys! I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> What? Says Howard Stark. The autopilot was fixed six months ago? (laughs) The autopilot? (laughs) Here we go, the autopilot guys. Tagged every time. I like that they're like fake Tim Blake Nelson's right next to uh, Howard Stark right now. (laughs) (laughs) The Tesseract will drive him mean. I do like that it ends on this kind of somber note where we lost this guy we liked. Yeah. Like, he saved the day, great, but like... I'm not really happy. Like, like we stopped evil, but our our friend died. <laughs> Howard's sad. Peggy's like unfulfilled. Tommy Lee Jones is slightly more grumpy. Like, it's just all these things. <laughs> His puss is slightly sour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is hers. You know, with Peggy's sadness, it's not. To me, it doesn't feel so much like, oh man, my boyfriend's gone. As much as she really feels he was a great man. Yeah, that's why the last shot place. is, you know, that picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's why you see you little Steve Rogers and not, yeah. you know, little Captain Steve America. Rogers, L- little L.I.L. <laughs> there, here we go. So this is what should have ended Without the movie. The ends. This is should. This is yeah. where credit should pop up. That's such a great and like Alan Silvestri score is so wonderful here, yeah. and you get that his his name's gonna live on. Credits like that would have been perfect. Right. Right. Do you want to stop here? Or we're gonna keep going. Yeah, we'll get. We'll keep yeah. going. Did Johnson even direct the tie-in scenes? Yeah, he did. I don't believe so. I think... uh, No, he directed this stuff. I think think the New York stuff was Whedon. I wouldn't go that far. I think it's the... Oh, I... Maybe it says. What's it say on Wikipedia? Neil Wiki. I'll tell you what. When I I saw this at at a press screening... I did stay all the way through the credits because it's a Marvel movie, and I did not get to see the Avengers tagline that got put on the later prints of this. Oh, I saw this. They uh, cheated us. I saw this at Comic Con, which was pretty cool. Oh, and, neat! Um, and actually, oh, Chris yeah. Evans was there, and he introduced it, which was pretty awesome. But uh, the, yeah, we were all st- stuck around because we we're like, "Oh, Marvel tag coming!" And it happened, and like, the, just the audience was just great. It was just oh, like, "Oh I, my I, god, I, everything's here!" <laughs> that's still in my mind the best piece of advertising for the Avengers. What's up, lady? Well, they, you know, that could be one big advertising thing we're not thinking about with Guardians of the Galaxy if it does have a short trailer for Avengers Age of Ultron with it, which would bring curiosity to some who may not be curious about Guardians of the Galaxy. That's actually a good idea. I wonder if they'll do that. Because it's it's the last film before the Avengers. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, this was the last film before the first one. So, and they'll have shot stuff. So, yeah. I mean, that could be a huge draw, like, you know, like episode one trailer before Wing Commander type draw. 
<laughs> but see, that was the second episode of one trailer. The first one premiered with That's Enemy true. of the State and Rugrats, the movie. That's true. Oh! Yeah, he did. Who's going to pay all that drywall? Us? Taxpayers? I'm sure. <laughs> Powers booth is owed money. Mm. Sir, we wasted money on these costumes. Probably <laughs> just went to Buffalo Exchange. They'll be fine. That was a real hipster joke. I'm sorry. No, I, I actually, Scott, I think you're right. I think this was shot by Joss Whedon. Mm. Yeah. Look at this guy. It's fair. I mean, it's not it's not jarringly different or anything besides, no. you know, the obvious time. But... It does make me wonder what kind of planning Johnston knew about, I guess, ahead of time in terms of structuring this film. Maybe he didn't. Cause maybe, I don't know. His seem, his part seemed to end definitively. Yeah, like you don't really hear from Johnson anymore. I mean, he's on. He does a commentary for the film, like so. Which I actually, so I don't really recall. I should listen to that part of the commentary for this because I don't really recall what he had to say about these scenes. But like, that's Samuel Jackson. Well, this ended with I had a date. Which is a nice way to go, and, and then I because I like these credits too. Like this one does yeah. kind of. It works. 3D hand. Yeah. Big feely. Well, I have to say, it's still my favorite of the Marvel movies. Yep. It is. Like, I... It's a solid movie, that's why. Yeah, it's, it's just a darn good action picture. Um, And it, it does, it makes the character work by making him... You know, again, it, it plays the sincerity and the, the perhaps corniness of it as a virtue. It doesn't apologize for it. It doesn't apologize for his sincerity, but rather implicitly condemns us for not being that sincere anymore. If that makes any sense. Well, I think so, yeah. Um, I just like these credits, too. Like, this whole movie is just really... Yeah. It's really watchable. Like, And that's what yeah. I... That's what I say about most of these Marvel movies. I, be, I I'm a bigger fan of Iron Man two than most people, um, just because I think no, it's, it's still entertaining. It's, it's a very entertaining film. I think it's story wise, it has issues, obviously, but I think it's just a fun screwball comedy. Yes, uh, the first um, the first one's a big you know a big advertisement for Robert Downey Jr. being amazing, even though I think the first half is significantly better than the second half. Also true. This movie is just consistently strong in terms of the Captain America character. It may have bookends that I don't appreciate, but it's hard to not care for this really earnest figure. This was the first Marvel movie that I out and out loved. And this was the first one, you know, ironically, because it was the last one beforehand, that actually got me excited about the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I, I wasn't crazy about the first Iron Man. It took a while for, you know, I didn't hate it, but it, as you said, the first act, the first act is much better than the second, the second and third act. Um, I wasn't crazy about Iron Man 2, although I think it works okay as a, you know, trilogy, you know, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, The Avengers. Um, I did not like, I still don't like The Incredible Hulk. Uh, I didn't dislike Thor. I thought it was fine. But this was the first one that, that was really, I thought was really, really good. And it felt like a big, larger than life action adventure spectacle that also was well written, well acted, well directed, and all that stuff. And seeing this 
And then, you know, later on a bootleg online, seeing the Avengers teaser made me excited. Okay, they, you know, this could work. Speaking of which, oh wait, no, never mind. <laughs> yeah, we got we got some credits to go through, but it does. I mean, it shows how. A, <laughs> Sorry, it's such an unprecedented unprecedented thing where you haven't seen something like this happen before, where you have this kind of assemblage. It's the right word, assemblage of filmmakers and producers and stars all working together to get to some kind of giant end game such as the avengers that's not a thing that's happened to, to be a part of something that you're not going to have a part of you're not like the director wise and some of the crew yeah but in terms of just what it's providing for i guess audiences in terms of having a shared universe that leads to something that's you know has a lot of expectation to go with it where you as opposed to like the sequel to one big movie you have a a, a an end product that's the combined sequels of many movies and all shares one thing it's it's impressive that they're able to pull it off as successfully as they did it could have gone disastrously wrong in many ways but you could really only do it with the comic book universe yeah Apparently, short, short, of, short of short of yeah short of just like Straight up, you know, just writing stories that you eventually know will connect in some way. Well, because yeah, I mean, they're built. I mean, it's built in that we we have these universe, this u- big universe of characters and stuff. So we already have that through comic books predisposed. Doing something with like a film, you people might not realize two things are connected. Yeah, I mean, something like broad example, Tarantino obviously has connections to all through all of his movies just based on names and places and things like that. But they don't. They're not leading up to something like the Avengers, although... And not, not everybody who goes to see a Tarantino <laughs> knows that, movie exactly, knows yeah. that or sees any of that, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I can't think of another example of, like, something like this. Well, did you hear? Apparently, Monsters, Inc. somehow takes place in the same universe as The Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the only the only answer to doing this would be the DC universe because I don't think much of Dark Horse or the other ones have stuff. Their Fox's stuff crossover. Fox has even tried beyond just having X Men movies and eventually a Fantastic Four movie that might tie in somehow. Like, well, they they're going for X Force as well. Yeah, I think that's their end game to have a crossover where X Men and Fantastic Four versus a Galactus. For sure, and that just comes with time, basically, because Avengers, I mean, it's basically, the best way to say it is, this is the first time it's been done. And just as we began this podcast by saying, you know, that Batman, you know, obviously spearheaded a lot of do this thing that worked well this one time, that's where we're headed with more superhero movies, and we're going to have, eventually, the Justice League movie and the X-Force and who knows, Marvel Civil War in some way, which is never going to happen. <laughs> like, Well, it's yeah. going to happen because nobody has secret identities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. must reveal yourself. Uh, or even like the Spider-Man stuff with the Sinister Six and all this nonsense God. that could maybe happen. <laughs> they're going to make that happen. They don't care if it's... Uh, ugh. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess Star Wars is one way to... But I mean, those stories are... Star Wars has the possibility to do that because they can do, you know, little, mini, you know, disconnected episodes... That build into something, you know. An They're gonna have episode. to have the balls to get away from the Skywalker <laughs> story. That is true. Once. That is true. Um, but yes, the the third era of comic book movies, you know, started in two thousand eight with Iron Man, is the interconnected era 
where basically everything's connected to everything else in their so-called universe. Mm-hmm. And obviously Marvel did it first. DC may well, or may okay. not be planning something around it. And then, you know, obviously Fox wants to do their stuff too. The Universal Monsters did this. Yes. Today. <laughs> they, they did end up combining things. But that uh, would be the only thing I could think of in... That would relatively be that way. I, I mean, you'd essentially have to take two existing franchises that never had anything to do with each other and, and compound them. Well, and also the challenge of, you know, something like Fast and Furious, for example, the only reason they were able to do that is because they were, you know, by happenstance, they couldn't get everybody together for several films after the first one. So by the time they came to Part 5, they had a bunch of supporting characters, you know, filler characters, pardon the expression, from Parts 2, 3, and 4 that could all come back for a reunion in Part 5. So I think it's... it's uni- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and essentially, you could take... Uh, you could do Fast and Furious versus Biker Boys versus Torque. Versus Need for Speed. Yes. Well, I guess you uh, had Freddy, ver- Freddy versus Jason, and then the Alien versus Predator were universes that joined, but not nothing is. That's just those, one the, versus the other. Those not... were joined basically out of like, what if we did this in a comic book? Oh, maybe we could turn that into a movie. That seems like it's not like they planned that. Yeah. Out the <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, true. I mean, yeah, none of the examples I've given have been uh, yeah, yeah, planned yeah. from the beginning. I mean, nobody was thinking, oh, this this uh, Bram Stoker book and. Uh, Mary, Mary Shelley, Shelley one, man. Could you imagine? Just let's let's write these books. And well, later... I mean, that's that's where if we were in an amazing world where League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was a great movie, I mean, that's <laughs> that's <laughs> I mean, that's an amazing like I because I, I, I'm a huge fan of Alan Moore's work on those. I think those are really interesting like takes on like let's bring all these literary characters into one thing, and that movie's so god awful. But that <laughs> is essentially some a kind of Avengers for to an extent. Yeah, God, that movie sucks so badly. It's so it, that movie's so bad it made Sean Connery retire. Like, yes. what movie does that? <laughs> I, I felt I felt it was only made to have him say, "Oh, that's naughty" in the trailer. That, <laughs> that was during the period where, where it was like, "Oh, you're the man now, dog." They just got Sean Connery in a movie to say one wild thing that they could put in a trailer and hope people showed up. Uh, they didn't. Captain oh, America will return will. the Avengers. Bucky will return. I mean, Captain America will return in the Winter Soldier. And now the teaser. Breathing hard. So I like that this, this just is like a scene straight out of the Avengers. Like, that's what it ended up being. Although it cuts out the kind of intersplicing with war footage. <laughs> it doesn't look like there's a room that Fury could have came out of. It looks like he's been hiding back there. And he like just like, all right, here's the time. <laughs> Roll call. <laughs> is Ruffalo even in this? Yeah, he is. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I, I know Hulk isn't, but Ruffalo is. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen this in a while. This is kind of neat. <laughs> yeah. Booyah. That's 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 such a goosebump moment. It's like, yes, yeah. so, like, they're all here. I have to wait a year. Yay. <laughs> it was, that was the best, in my opinion, that was the best trailer for the Avengers. Um, yeah, it, was I mean, better I, than, it was better than that first one. <laughs> yeah, but obviously I just, it worked. 
because the movie made, you know, one and a half billion dollars. But I was not a fan of any of the trailers for the Avengers in terms of, you know, compelling standalone art. Well, I mean, or once, even marketing. Once know, they had once they had a Hulk to like show off and the like yeah. once they finished the effects, I was very pleased by the fact that they had a shot of the 360 event. Like that's cool. Like yeah, that's, that's cool. all you needed. That's, that's that is all, that's really all you needed. You need like a quick shot of like some, like Loki saying something evil, and then you just be like, well, guess what? And here's like a 360 shot of like the, all the heroes combined. What they the needed only was that... the damn poster for the movie. That was oh, that oh. poster's horrendous. <laughs> I've seen that poster without text on it now. Oh my god, it's like the worst piece of art ever. <laughs> It's like, it's like wh- that's what you came up with? Captain America's like 10 feet tall. And that could have had them like standing in a line together and it would have looked better. No, my biggest issue with the trailer was Hulk catching Iron Man. Oh, yeah, them ruining yeah, Eats. Oh, like, that did not help God. at all, yeah. Everybody would have, oh, the crowd would have went crazy. But, like, no. but it doesn't hurt that the Hulk had like you know three other great bits in the movie that are like everyone's favorite moments anyway. <laughs> so, but still, yeah, yeah it does. Ruin it. But we're, still, we're like long past this movie. Let's wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm glad for anybody that stuck around for this entire commentary. This is always fun to do, and I hope you guys enjoy what we had to offer. Uh, where can people find more of your guys' work, Alan? Um, just just go on my Instagram. I'll post stuff randomly. Uh, it's A L D O underscore R A Y N E. You can just go there. I, I post dumb things, and sometimes I have Twitter, and it's Mr. DVD M R DVD. Brandon? Um, I'm on Twitter, at uh, BT Peters. I write for Why So Blue, where, which is where a bulk of my work is currently, and I have my blog, Naptown Nerd, um, which is naptownnerd at blogspot.com. And Scott? Uh, I'm at Twitter at, at Scott Mendelson, uh, and I write for Forbes. Yay, Forbes! Indeed. Great. So I'm also at Aaron's PS4. Um, I write for Wise of the Blue, of course, and thecodeofzeke.com. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now, Theronative on iTunes, Stitcher, hhwlod.com. Uh, email us, outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. All these other things, you know it. You love it or something. You stuck around for this podcast, so I assume you're like a kind of a fan at least, maybe. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it this week. Um, tune in for our Winter Soldier episode. I'm sure Scott will be on there and one of you guys might be on there too. We'll see. But um, we'll get there. We'll get there when we get there. And uh, so yeah, until next time. So long and goodbye. podcast commentary will return with my fellow americans <laughs> dude 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 let's do it let's do it i love that movie i love that movie <laughs>